0: Hey, everybody. How's it going? Um, Fantastic shows. I can't wait to talk. Can't wait to get in here and talk about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited to be back on the show. AEW is just a fun show to talk about, so I share Zanman's thoughts regarding talking about this program. What a night. What an event. Took place in the same venue, did it not? That bash in the bash at the beach '96 took place. I I believe it is. Well, that may not actually be the case, but obviously Daytona Beach has got that bit of wrestling history.
0: It was a Joey Janela match. Right. I mean, Joey Janela is basically known for these death defying stunts for these t- huge bumps that where it looks like it would kill somebody. Um, and you know, if you look back to all in, he took that huge bump off the top of the ladder from Hangman Page, um, where Page did the what's now called the Deadeye off the top of the ladder and drilling him through there and a couple other spots that just were were awful. And th- and this was like this was like that, but also combining Moxley's C Z W character as well and uh just just I I loved it. I thought it was an incredible hardcore match. Um and I've seen a lot of hardcore matches in the last week or so watching um like three uh Sammy Callahan matches, one on MLW, one and then two from Impact. Um and uh this so out of the four haircut matches I've seen in the last seven days, I th- thought this was the best one.
2: Uh may I just say I've just realized for my entire like two minutes I have myself muted. So <laughs> everybody could hear Chad and Jam, but you've not heard a single word I've said. Oh well didn't you <laughs> It's 4:30 a.m. It wouldn't
1: be a Doc Chad Matthews live <laughs> appearance on LOP Radio without some sort of technical glitch. Let me tell you.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, call it technical glitch, and not Matt muted himself. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the you know
0: the, the, the couple the couple of spots with the with the barbed wire uh, table were just like. I, I said, oh, my God, like, 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 literally, like, I, I couldn't believe they did those spots. And then that stuff with the thumbtacks where, you know, Joey Janela stepping on the thumbtacks with his bare feet, it's like, Christ.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Like I, yeah, so I did watch the Joey Janela shows and the ilk over the course of WrestleMania weekend, so I've seen this kind of wrestling a bit more recently. But, yeah, even I was like, when they're doing the feet, when they teased doing the feet spot with the thumbtacks on the mat... I was like, "Oh, please don't actually do it." <laughs> no, I'm just so used to WWE <laughs> where they tease something like that and not do it and then do a much safer bump or something like that. Or Chris Jericho will take a really safe one on his back and he'll just get a few on his back and it won't be anything that bad. Nope, they did it. <laughs> I did nope, did wasn't a massive fan. Uh but doc, for someone who's like you who's a bit more I was going to say The fandom was more based on WWE for a really long time, and he's just now branching out. Uh, What do you think is this kind of main event, which you see a bit more on the indies, but it's not really a mainstream thing at all?
1: Well, what was interesting about it from my perspective was, I mean, you guys are talking about having seen one, a match like this, in the past week or so, I can't recall having seen one like this this decade (laughs) i haven't i can't recall seeing anything quite like it since the the mick foley and randy orton match in at backlash 2004 i mean as a wwe dominant fan for so long i mean this is the first time anyone like me has seen this in a long long time and i love it i mean I, i think it's a great change of pace i've always enjoyed hardcore wrestling going back to retroactively early in the in last decade looking back at ECW's library you know I I think this type of match is incredibly fun and I think it, it it catches you in a different aesthetic way it catches you different emotionally than anything we saw on the last show I mean obviously the the sort of hardcore the the brawling element we saw a lot of brawling in the Dusty Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes match at, um, at double or nothing. But, I mean, this is just something totally different than that. And for my tastes, I, I think it's here, – here's the thing. I've always felt like great wrestling is great wrestling and that there's just different types of it. But that – I mean, that second book that I wrote was all about sort of identifying the key characteristics that shape all sorts of great matches, hardcore like this, or something like the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers from the last show, or or anything else we saw on this show or uh, as a WWE dominant fan in a really freaking long time. So I think it's awesome, and I thought that this particular match was awesome, and I think that uh, there's a lot to talk about from it, in my opinion. I thought Moxley had a standout performance, and if this is Joey Janela's thing, then good for him, man. I respect the hell out of that.
2: It's not the kind of wrestling we've seen... On the mainstream in such a long time, and I don't. Of course, I was a kid at the time, so I never. I never experienced the heights of ECW, but, but WWE kind of adopted a bit of a hardcore style into some of their stuff in the mid two thousands. From what I remember as a teenager, <laughs> kind of watching that stuff. Not to make you two feel a bit too old, but it was. Yeah, it was. It's kind of it's been such a long time since you have seen, seen anything like this on a mainstream scale that it felt refreshing even though I'd seen it within the last couple of months <laughs> because yeah this is Joe Janela's thing he's a, he can wrestle like just a standard match he can do comedy really well as well but this is kind of his bread and butter this is what he likes to do and it's very very interesting to see it in the main event but especially when he's opposite the former Dean Ambrose a guy who was synonymous with these really violent matches like this was I was a bit worried he would do some of the stuff or at least hint at some of the stuff he was doing before WWE basically what you saw in this match was nothing <laughs> compared to what he has done elsewhere uh, in the past in his indie days uh, so I was kind of happy it stuck to a more standard hardcore match kind of like rhythm to it and everything so that was a lot nicer but it was yeah, it was still very very refreshing to see something like this. Uh, for John Moxley, it was really weird because this was kind of his character establishing match, which or or at least presence establishing. And it's, it's quite interesting to see uh, that Joey Janela himself got a lot of elevation from this, rather than them focusing on Moxley, and that that's really something I got from this event. Whenever it was like a bigger star versus someone who's maybe not high up as in there, it wasn't about just establishing the bigger star. The guy they were in there as well, with them as well got a major rub. Uh, that happened like early on in the card, but like it's great for Joe He got this amazing showcase. Yes, he got to do some quite dangerous shit
1: <laughs> with the foot and then landing on his butt on the outside and everything. But what it... a star-making performance mm-hmm. from him, you know? I it mean, is... that's yeah, I had that's... never seen him wrestle before in my life and... And this is what he produces. I mean, jumping off ladders, taking stuff that I had not associated with anything I'd seen in a decade and a half. And bringing it to the forefront in such a a major role. I mean, opposite Moxley in the main event of this show. I mean, that's one of those things you talk about, the In Your House pay-per-views from the past. I always loved that about In Your House. It was like, okay, the top stars are going to face the top stars at the big shows. But we're going to get to see some guys test it out in the main event setting and see how do they handle the pressure and you know i don't know how how much you would equate having extra pressure on you from being in a bigger setting with more eyes with more eyes on you than perhaps ever before but isn't that something that really stands out about um about joey Janela particularly is i mean the lights are on bright and this guy goes out and and deliver something that I think is going to be regarded as special. I mean, I don't know how about you guys feel about AEW in general, but I was thinking before this show started that, my goodness, you know, this has been a fandom-enhancing experience thus far with AEW. And at the end of 2019, I'm likely to look back at Double or Nothing and the experiences that have followed it, like this one peaking with this Moxley and Janela match that, you know, this is going to be some of the stuff I look back on most fondly throughout the year in reflection. Like, Jan, are you going to All Out in September or August?
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I was actually about to say is I, is I have a huge emotional investment in, in AEW. Um, you know, I, I went to All Out last year. Um, I said right after All Out on on Kingdom of Honor that this is not the end for these guys that they're going to be starting their own promotion. And, you know, they, and they eventually announced that they, they did it. I, I tried, I waited in line for half an hour to get tickets for double or nothing. I couldn't get them. Um, and then I, and I was able to get tickets for, uh, all out. I was actually 1101 in line out. So I knew for sure because they were, they did a four ticket limit that I was going to get tickets. Um, so you know I, I've got the tickets for that show. my wife and I are going um, my friend's go, my friend that went to all in with me is going with us and yeah I, I've loved everything that all that uh, all elite has put out so far even before they were all elite and um I have to say that my my biggest thing I love about these shows so far is that their smorgas works you know I mean there's something for every single type of wrestling fan um, Chad and I are both fans of pretty much every style of pro wrestling. And, um, but it doesn't matter whether you are or not with these shows, because you're going to find something on these shows that you love. Um, if you don't, then you're probably just too conditioned by the, by the WWE style. But even if you are, there's stuff on here that is, you know, is WWE style to it. So, um, if you don't like what, what AEW is doing, um, it's hard for me to believe that there's you can't find something in there that you're going to going to enjoy. And I've enjoyed pretty much every aspect of them so far, but like I said, I think that there's something on here for everyone, and I think that's a huge boon to that organization so far.
2: Yeah, that was one of my uh, like big praises coming out of Double or Nothing, was the variety that was on show. It really did come across as so many different types of wrestling and types of match as well, that there was something for everybody, which is something that for WWE, for the credit we give it, they've got the WWE style and you wrestled the WWE style, which is also kind of something that happens with New Japan. Like, a, like yes, I love the uh, best of Super Juniors and the G1, but I hope you like Pure because you're going to see it ten times in a row. <laughs> and that's the kind of... Uh, is a... Well, it's compared to AEW, where every single match was different and distinguishable from each other to quite a degree. That like, You can't say that the... Uh, Real main event and this in the uh, after dark main event, whatever they call it, after lights out, that was it, main event. Like, they couldn't have been any more different, even though they're on the same show, they're with mega stars. And obviously, at the end, the two biggest guys from each match did have a kind of face off with interesting (laughs) ways that it went. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, Chad, what did you make of the Omega beatdown after the match? As he, it was a mixture of. Like building up the hatred and the angst and everything, and also Omega's slightly jokey side also came into it as well.
1: Yeah, I think that they needed to do that. It, it struck me during the, I guess we'll call it the semi-main event or the official main event, that uh, you know Kenny Omega was in a very lighthearted mood, considering what happened to him at the end of the last show. So I think to tie up that loose end, they needed to do it. And I'm of the opinion that, you know, Kenny Omega being the best bout machine in New Japan, I mean, what the guy did there was incredible and, and, and sort of something that has defined the legacy of who he is to this point. But we're coming into the AEW experience. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are coming more from my, uh, my more popular styled fandom, I guess you could say, with WWE. And they're thinking, okay, tell me who Kenny Omega is. What's this guy about besides just having great wrestling matches? So it's opportunities like this, simple as it may be, to come out after the main event and beat up John Moxley. That I think that's the type of thing they're going to need to do to, you know, present Kenny Omega in a more serious light without the belt on the line. Because I mean, that sort of is what became, of my opinion. Of Kenny Omega when I would watch him wrestle it's like what's this guy about? He's about winning and he's about being the IWGP heavyweight champion since he's not in the title picture they're going to have to do something to make it clear what his motivations are beyond just winning and so this was a good step toward that. I didn't think it was anything special. I don't think it needed to be. I think it nailed it I think it nailed what it needed to do
2: I personally feel like it's the perfect feud for getting people into AEW, at least, especially Kenny Omega, who's looking to be the immediate kind of top guy uh, out of everybody. It's like, because there'll be so many people will be tuning in to see Moxley, or there'll be WWE guys, so they'll know Moxley, but they won't know Omega at all. And having Omega, arguably, like, one of their biggest stars, who's never touched WWE, wrestling the WWE guy, it's kind of a perfect exposure for him and it will be like their match at All Out which has been confirmed which is uh, like an amazing like as if they needed to try and sell the tickets <laughs> Just, oh like, yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed yeah like uh, yeah, Moxie and Omega's like already been announced their tickets I think they might have already sold out when they announced it. <laughs> but it's...
0: No, no, they announced it
2: the day before tickets went on sale. Oh, the day before they went on sale. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> just just so they could see if they could sell out a one hundred thousand stadium, rather <laughs> than the Cesar Center. <laughs> uh. But yeah, it's it's a really good way to draw in those WWE fans and showcase their guy when they do it. Which is kind of what... the is it, is it, To a lesser extent, it's kind of what's happening with the AEW guys and the Indie guys right now. So it's on a lower level, or like the level down from the WWE to AEW. But the AEW to Indie guys, like we saw tonight with Cody and Darby Allin, or, yeah, or of course, John Moxley and Joe Janela. It was that. AEW, you tune in for that AEW guy, he's the reason you've come in, or of course John Moxley. But it's the Indie guy gets the showcase, and they're the one who weirdly leave a mark on you, even though like the guy you know is put in just as good as a performance as they always do. Like John Moxley, like we've talked about the praise of how uh, Joe Janella left a mark, but we kind of expected John Moxley to left a mark, leave a mark, and because he did, it. <laughs> for them, like I feel like I've accidentally talked about more about Janella than I have about praising Moxley for delivering on that stage, just because we expected him to, <laughs> because he's done it in WWE. But for him to do that, it obviously means a lot for AEW for him to actually nail it. Like, especially as somebody who did watch TNA for quite a while, it became a common feeling of, oh, initial excitement of former WWE guy, then immediate, oh he doesn't give a shit, when you see them wrestle. That wasn't Moxley at all, which is fantastic to see. Obviously I had the precursor of watching him in New Japan, like the past month or so, and I'd get to see him like 20 times over the course of this next month with the G1 starting next Saturday. Oh, things moving so fast nowadays. <laughs> it's it kind is kind of awesome.
0: Uh. Yeah, it's 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 moving so fast, and uh, and you know, I, I want to touch on Moxley real quick about in New Japan for a second as well before I go into what I was about to say. But I, I think Moxley is showing in his stints in, so far in AEW and in uh, New Japan how much he really has to give creatively because these two characters are nothing like each other, um, and. I think that's awesome. That you know he's he's going to two, two different promotions, has two different styles, um, two different ways of two different, although the similar ways of wrestling, um, and uh, and two different um, and and you know different motivations really, and also um, what I was going to say is that you know this you said the wrestling is coming fast and furious. I mean, we're we're getting all these weekends coming up, and even this weekend where we've got multiple organizations putting on super shows. Uh, this weekend it was best in the world for, for Ring of Honor, which was also a great show last night. And now tonight, of course, we have um, we have the, the Fighter Fest. Next weekend is not only on next Saturday is not only the start of the G1 Climax, but also they're running Impact is running a show with Booker T's promotion, Reality of Wrestling, and the next night in Dallas, the same city that G1 is starting in they're running Slammiversary. And then, of course, on the weekend that we have coming up um, for All Out, on that same night, not always New Japan running a super show with uh, Rev Pro, but also WWE is running their second um, NXT TakeOver event. And it was just announced this week, or an NXT TakeOver UK event, I should say. And also, it was just announced this week that uh, WWE is going to be running the, or it's going be airing the tenth anniversary of Evolve the same night as Fight for the Fallen. So, I mean, as a wrestling fan, you're getting something seemingly every weekend that's going to appeal to you know some some part of some part of the wrestling fan base. It's it's kind of amazing.
1: It's pretty awesome.
2: Like the phrase I used was, "There's so much wrestling that it's like kind of a consumer's dream." Like if you if you don't enjoy one pay per view on a weekend. There's another one right round the corner. Which <laughs> is like that is a that is a consumer's dream to have so many different choices. Obviously I live in a world with consumer protection laws so I have this anyway. <laughs> in a way. Uh but it's yeah in terms of wrestling it's awesome to see just so many different options and like as a, it's getting it's going to get to that point where we're not quite at it yet, like see with WWE, where they're evidently changing things and trying to come up with ways to make it more interesting. But once the competition is there, like head to head with them every single week, like as a consumer, that's the dream scenario where they're kind of trading punches and, like, pardon the pun, like evolving each other to go, to be better and <laughs> kind of change and adjust. Uh, which absolutely, that is yeah, it, That is the consumer's dream. And like, I can't wait for October. Like, I don't know if uh, I need to kind of talk with the other laws of pain people to maybe just do a run of live shows on the first week of October. Because Jesus Christ, <laughs> that is looking to be a very monumental week in wrestling. With uh, AEW, I think there's rumours starting that they're going to start that week, like the first Wednesday in October. And then, the, like two days later, you got a WWE's debut on Fox. <laughs> so that is a major week in wrestling which is gonna be like very, very exciting to look out for. I feel like Indeed. I've drifted a little bit. I about Yo, let's Python. go
1: back, yes. Zan. You were saying I want to hear what you had to say about Moxley because I got a point I want to make as well.
2: Well,
0: basically, basically, I just, I just love the fact that you know he he left WWE not because of the money. You know, he said he was, he said he would let, he would have left them even if there was no other wrestling organization in the world because of his creativity because they wouldn't, they were stifling his creativity. When we see him in New Japan. Um, you know he's he's kind of he's kind of got this bitter attitude and he is but but he's also got an honorable attitude like he beat uh he beat uh, Umino at Dominion and he basically thrashed him but then but then after the match is over he helps the guy th- to the back because he is um he's honorable even even though he's bitter here he's just kind of an, a nasty individual that's you know trying to change the paradigm of pro wrestling um And, you know, different tights, just a different wrestling style overall. And I just love the fact that he's, he's, you know, he's kind of putting his money where his mouth is. um, And that we're seeing from him what we weren't able to see when he was wrestling for WWE.
1: When looking back now, question for you guys. With what Kenny Omega is supposed to be for this promotion or at least what we assume he's supposed to be. I mean, it was a big deal, him. They made a big deal of him coming on, not like it wasn't obvious that he would join um, this promotion. But, I mean, they presented him in a light where it was like, this is going to be one of our big stars, if not our biggest star. And then Moxley comes in, and because of the podcast and the New Japan stuff, what he's got coming up between now and the end of August, I mean, John Moxley's the hottest name in the game right now. So, you look back on it, what is it? would it maybe have been a smart thing for them to just, I mean, they didn't have to do what they did in regards to um, the matches that set up the championship bout for All Out. They didn't have to do that with Double or Nothing. They did that, they sort of added that toward the tail end of the hype when the place was already sold out and everyone's already got a lot of buzz about it. In hindsight, do you guys think it would have been smart to hold off? Let's see how double or nothing goes when we bring in Moxley here. And because now it sets up to me the match between Moxley and Omega, the subtext in my mind is that this is sort of a battle for which one of these guys is going to really be the one to take the ball and run with it at the beginning of this promotion's life. Because to me, Moxley's the guy you build around. I love Kenny Omega, but Moxley's skill set And his name value and the buzz that he's got suggests to me this is the guy that really should be coming in as the champion. And we had all those concerns, and we talked about them on the podcast, about how it wouldn't be the right call to bring in a a, a recent WWE guy because of perhaps like what Imp mentioned with the the Impact promotion and and how WWE former stars would go there, and it just didn't work out. Moxley's come in. And, you know, love the name of the finishing boom, the paradigm shift. Uh, you know, he's shifting paradigms. That's what he wants. That's his goal. That's what this promotion embodies. So, you know, to make a long story short, I'm rambling on here. But what do you guys think? It, should that really be the main event of All Out? I mean, it won't be, I don't think, if the title's on the line in the other match. But still, I mean, you got to look back and wonder. Maybe they should have showed a little bit of caution before... Jumping the gun on that.
0: Um, first, first of all, I, I don't like the way that they set up the championship in the first place. I, I don't like the I don't like setting it up so that you know the winner of one match faces the winner of a battle royal. That that was really to me that's that's the wrong way to set up a championship <laughs> overall. Um, and I and I do think and I do think it was kind of a knee jerk reaction that They did, like you said, Chad. Where they it was just announced basically the, the last week because of what happened between pa- between the organization and Pac. Um, you know, it was originally supposed to be, you know, all, all things point to that they were going to do some kind of a of a tournament, and it was going to end up being, you know, probably Pac against Page in the, in the finals of that of that tournament for the championship. That's that's what they've been setting up basically all along. Um, and then they kind of they kind of you know made a hard left. And 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 changed everything. Um, I, I do I do still have concerns about a former WWE guy being the the number one guy in the promotion to start off with, but I think they're going to end up doing that anyway with Jericho. I, I think that they're kind of they kind of put themselves in a spot where by this knee jerk reaction that they did by the you know by the hard left I mentioned, where they're gonna they're, they're gonna be have haters no matter what they do. If Hangman Page leaves with the championship, people are going to say, oh, well, of course he left with the championship. He's, one, he's friends with the, with the elite, or he's one of the elite. If Jericho leaves with the championship, people are going to hate on it, saying that they gave the title to a former, former WWE guy. Um, and, and that being the case, I think the lesser of two evils is to put it on Jericho, which means that, that yes, if, that, if they were going to have to put it in, on a WWE guy anyway, that Moxie probably would have been the better choice.
2: Yeah, it's. I don't know the kind of timing of putting everything together, and then Moxley definitely being involved in this capacity uh, behind the scenes and all of that stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I completely agree with everything Jan just said. Uh, the like for me, also, I'm really looking forward to uh, John Moxley on the I what it's called, the Nightmare Family YouTube channel, the Road Twos, where they kind of do their backstories and things, or so, all the little tidbits on being the elite. I'm really interested to see what they actually say on that to build up to this because they're normally very, very good. They normally hit on things you were feeling when you were watching it anyway. Like the notes we're picking up on here, like I'm fully expecting them to play off them in these on these road to videos because they, whenever I've done it so far, they have. <laughs> and whenever, whatever thought I've had is like, especially with like big, like the most recent example was Darby Allen. And I was kind of like really hoping they presented him in a certain way on the road to. And that's exactly how they presented him. (laughs) So it's been like uh, what what I've been hoping as a fan is pretty much the route they've gone. So in terms of like what was already brought up of, like uh, was it a wise idea to bring in Moxie at this point? Or or would you not give the moment to Omega and then build off of that as Omega is meant to be this huge deal? But well, Omega, I wouldn't be surprised if in those videos we see Omega kind of bringing that up as in the whole thing of this was meant to be my moment, this is AW's my thing and uh, like, Moxley is the outside guy and maybe Omega can't drop the WWE thing and that's something that he zones in on. Obviously, that means fans will also zone in on it because <laughs> that happens, like again as Emma was saying, Chris Jericho with the former WWE guy, like His character now couldn't be further away than anything he's portrayed in WWE, but obviously, because he's Chris Jericho, he's got that WWE connotation around him. I reckon it would be the same with Moxley. So, even though his character is so far away from anything he was doing in WWE, it's the hype, it's his popularity that was gained in WWE, which kind of gives that connotation. And when anybody brings it up, because that's another thing with AEW, is they seem to want to be touching base, I guess, with the... Wide wrestling world and, I guess, reality in general a bit more than WWE does with their own... WWE's kind of on their own weird universe pedestal where they're not... They're kind of connected, but not really. Whilst AW seems to be a lot more grounded, but a lot more open to communication on, like, social medias and things and with their... Like, a really good example is the mailbag on BTE. It's just a way of communicating with the fans in a straight-up, out-of-kayfabe real way. And that really, really helps ground them in that aspect uh yeah i'm rambling a bit <laughs> but yeah i'm really really excited to see where those videos go in building up to this because there's so many routes but i do expect them to touch upon all of the points that we've put up already just to make it like that bit more interesting can we but... talk about darby allen next yeah, I've already drifted like two or three times. <laughs> he left a mark on the show. But yeah, the main... The faux main event was... Uh, not the faux... Well, I guess the... that doesn't matter. The light, Lights Out main event, that one. It, yeah, it left a mark in a really, really good way as something completely different once again, which is what AW's making their name in kind of so far. Uh, yeah. I'd only say avoid it if you're... Like, you can't take any kind of hardcore whatsoever. Like... If the hardcore match on the pre-show was too much for you, don't check out this one. (laughs) 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 And And also don't watch any
0: time... If the hardcore match on the pre-show was was too much for you, don't watch Tom and Jerry either.
2: (laughs) 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 Right then. Cody versus Darby Allin. Uh, First, I would to say someone picked up that with Cody's entrances... They found a cheeky way to call him Cody Rhodes without actually saying it. Is where they I loved
1: voice. that. I yeah. thought that was
2: great. <laughs> there might be a new doc who tweeted that, <laughs> but it's it was like it's Cody and Brandy Rhodes. I was like, ah, see what he did there. Hi, you cheeky little. That's <laughs> working around copyright in a very smart way.
1: <sighs> but yeah, Justin said it perfectly too. It was mm. like Cody and Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> so. It was I loved that. there were a lot of little touches like that on this show that I will probably forget before I get the chance to mention them. But they're you know, kudos to them Intangible qualities for these AEW shows jump off the charts. I
2: would say my favorite probably just Roberts bit was the round one fight yeah. <laughs> just before the <laughs> they are. The gaming crowd <laughs> like mad. Oh. You
0: know, you know you know, watching watching uh Double or nothing, and watching uh, this show tonight, Fighter Fest. Um, it reminds me how much I missed Justin hearing Justin's voice every week.
1: He was awesome. Yes. Second favorite of all time. Yeah. Right,
0: so behind behind Michael Buffer, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: right so <No>! Dal- <laughs> uh, Dalby, uh, my brother loves. Uh, what's the MMA one? Bruce Buffer, Buffer is it? Yeah, it's just, I think is his that, brother. He has yeah. Say, yeah, he is like just he's like a smaller version of Michael Bush in like every way in his mannerisms and everything. But <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, anyway, Cody versus Darby Allen. So we've already brought this up a few times. He can. That's kind of a sign that he's, this match left a mark on us. Not as big as the marks so that Darby Allen's gonna have on his back come tomorrow. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that man is oh, mental. Man. Uh, wow. Yes. So Doc. Like in terms of like, what was it actually truly left a mark? Was it more the the kind of presentation, everything, or like when the match got going and you kind of got to see Dobby allen in a bit more depth than just his like kind of counterful entrance? Anyway.
1: Oh man, there were several things about that match that I loved, and I honestly I don't know that if I if I'm honest with myself about it, that if I rewatch this show at some point in the near future, that this doesn't end up being by far my favorite match because I thought. From a storytelling standpoint, this was, yet again, featuring Cody, the best match of the night. I loved several things about it. I loved how the, the early story was told, where Darby Allin is clearly motivated, and it just the contrast between the way these guys look. I mean, Cody, if, if ever there was a guy who looked WWE but isn't WWE, it's, it's Cody and then here you've got Darby Allen and he looks like a giant compared to Darby Allen. It reminds me of what Chris Jericho used to stand in the ring with Rey Mysterio. It was like Chris Jericho is small. No, he's not. Look at him next to Rey Mysterio. Cody's not a huge guy, but Jesus. So, you've got that natural aesthetic dichotomy between them. You've got that natural sort of natural sort of arrogance that would come on Cody Rhodes' part where he likes this guy, but I mean, he's not expecting to lose to this guy. And you go through the the crux of the match, and they're telling the story where Cody's trying to get a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more aggressive, and he just can't put him away. And thank freaking God for the time limit coming back, because the time limit was a huge part of the emotional stakes that evolved during the course of this match. I haven't seen a double countout, or not a double, a, a, a time limit draw I can't recall seeing in I feel like it's been 25 years. So, I mean, it's just so refreshing to have a match that does all the little things well and is aided by the rules of the promotion, making winning and losing matter to a point where you don't want to to, to waste time in the final five minutes of a match because you got to put this guy away. And then you can't. He gets frustrated. And then, you know, all the post-match happenings, talk about the bell to bell or the presentation implications brother it's the it's both it's the presentation before it's the presentation after uh, that part i think is obviously going to generate a lot of controversy if my perusing of twitter right after it happened uh, is any indication the chair shot unprotected chair shot to the head really a lot to unpack here but those are my initial uh those are my initial words
2: but, right. Jan. Have you uh, have you been watching a bit of MLW? So you're a bit more exposed to Darby Allen. Uh,
0: Darby Allin has not been on MLW, actually. Um, oh. But yeah, I, I watch MLW every week. It's, it's the best. It's the best weekly wrestling show uh, storyline wise. If, if you're not watching it, you should be. That That's proof um, I'm not. <laughs> <That's another MLW. laughs> no, uh, Darby Allin actually kind of went from evolve to. Um, to AEW and and he I saw some good stuff. He had, he did in evolve as well. Um, also, if you watch the uh, the Vice TV show, The Wrestlers, he was on one of the episodes there. Um, kind of kind of focused on um, talking about the, the future of, of pro wrestling. And then they were talking about evolve, and he was one of the guys that were featured on there as well. Um, before the uh, before the fatal four way match tonight, and, and I will get back to Darby. I promise. Um, my, a buddy of mine uh, texted me that he really liked Jimmy Havoc, or he, he thinks he's really going to like Jimmy Havoc, and I, and I said I really don't like Jimmy Havoc, the same thing I told Chad a few weeks ago on Twitter. Um, and then when, um, when Darby was being, annou- was being announced for his match against Cody, he texted me and said, this guy's got a weird look to him, and I replied, Darby Allen is what Jimmy Havoc wishes, wishes he was. Um, hmm. I think Darby Allen is absolutely fantastic. Um, he, he's, he's so good at storytelling. He's so young, but he's already got all the basics down. Um, it's, it's like watching a prodigy in there and he've all had a couple of guys like that. Another guy that's, that's like, that is their current champion, Austin theory, um, who just, they just have picked it up at such a young age, what it means to be a pro wrestler, the psychology of it, the presence, where you got to be at all times in the ring, how to sell, um, how to how to make the audience care, and he was absolutely spot on in this match and all of those things, uh, all those uh, aspects. And and yeah, I mean, Cody is absolutely a master as well. Um, I agree with Chad that he's he's proven um but this is part of, you know this is part of the smorgasbord thing I talked about is is Cody's kind of got he's kind of in that centerpiece of the show he he did that at All In he did it at Double or Nothing he did it tonight at Fighter Fest where he's kind of like right in the middle of the show um having that psychological type of match where um where it's just got the storytelling aspect to it not the spectacular high flying type of stuff that you see on, on with the with the other guys or you know, the, the technical style, he's worth telling a story in there. And he really gave everything he could to Darby in this match, and Darby, I think, took full advantage of it. And that chair shot, um, oh. I, I, recently, I recently watched some Eddie Guerrero matches for, um, for um, another project that, that my buddy Jeff and I are doing um, on our Patreon channel. Um, called Racked with Wrestlers and we did it Eddie Guerrero um we just we had four matches that we'd want to see and I and I picked the judgment day match against JBL and that chair shot from Sean Spears you reminded me so much mm-hmm. of that. Um you know I mean I mean I, I watched that and I was like Jesus Christ that that's just as bad as the JBL shot and, and so the re- the real concern so the concern that, that uh you know that JR and um um Excalibur, and the other guy who was, was else was with him was were displaying. I was feeling the same thing as I'm like that's just like what happened to Eddie. Um, so I, I really hope that Cody's you know okay from that shot. And you know, cause I think I think it was a little bit harder than they probably were intending it to be.
2: It's um, I feel like the presentation of that was done so damn well. Uh, to the point where you could go on Twitter and see people like legitimately concerned, obviously, with what we know about uh, how the, how it's not, really not very smart to do too many of those uh, chair shots of the head, if any at all. But uh, the way it was sold was done so well and so kind of realistically. Like with WWE, it feels overproduced. And it, if they were to do something like this today, I get the feeling that it'd be very easy, or at least it wouldn't feel real. Like to be fair, even when it is real, like Braun Strowman pushing over a truck, is like the still footage of that is amazing, but they cut it so many times it feels fake when you actually watch the WWE version. It's like what is wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> it looks amazing with the one shot. Uh so with a thing like this, I get a feeling it would feel overproduced in WWE just because of how they produce things. But over in a W it felt real to a point of that it was, it was just done so so well, and he really did. And they even brought up like how dangerous chair shots are, and what, like why you've got the rules to not allow that in place. So I don't know if um, they were, in a way, making them bringing in those rules part of a storyline, in a really weird way. Like the advantage of this is only a storyline. You can tell when a store, when a company is starting up and they're putting everything together. Like, this won't work in half a year's time when they've got the TV show. This will all What a beautiful be... touch. Yeah, there's like, this will have to be in. This will be in place by the time television's on. But, yeah, to have then Cody maybe come out and say this sort of thing. Uh, and, of course, that makes Sean Spears this kind of dangerous guy. Like, will he do it again when he comes in, even though we've got these rules brought in? Will he give a shit? It's, like, it's quite a. It's a very, very interesting dynamic. And, of course, you've got just the basic thing of they were friends. And we don't know why Sean Spears attacked him like that. Like, you can immediately think of reasons, which is why it's a good story. <laughs> like, Im- immediately, you don't know anything, but there's enough in there beforehand that it could kind of lead somewhere and make sense. Like,
0: well, on, on, one of the, on one of the road to Fighter Fest, Sean Spears was talking about, you know, trying to become a star. And Cody said, oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, good, oh, yes. he's a good hand. He's going he's gonna to be a good coach. Um, for our guys, so I, I think that's probably what where where it's going to end up stemming from. Um, and when I saw that happen, I was like, "Oh my God! Don't tell me Sean Spears is who Cody's going to be facing it all out." And this com- this has completely, of course, turned, changed my mind on that. Um, and it's the second time they've done that because when when it was supposed to be him versus Dustin, I was like, you know, when I when I first thought that's probably gonna be, it was going to be the case, I was not sold on that whatsoever. I thought. Really, why would why would Randy have been have been saying on all, on all these episodes? Well, you can't have this match. You can't do this. And and then all it took was a Cody, you know, a, a Dustin episode and a Cody episode to again completely turn me around on on that too. So I think AEW is very good at at making things that you wouldn't necessarily want to see. Something that you're desperate to see.
1: Absolutely. I'm, i when Sean Spears walked out there, I I immediately was like. Really? All right. Fair enough. You know, because respectfully to the guy, you know, um, a quick aside here. One of the things I love about New Japan Pro Wrestling is that the near countout is ridiculously dramatic with the way that they announce it. It's like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, and, 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 if, and thanks to Sean Spears, we haven't gotten anything close to anything like that in mainstream wrestling because he makes everybody yell that godforsaken ten. 10 chant. Ten. So ten. it's nice to hear the blanking, you know, uh, count out count once again. So, but, but that's the kind of stuff that unfortunately went through my mind when he walks out there. It's, oh, great. You know, more but, 10 chants. And you know with but but here was here's the thing with the chair shot and if that wasn't intended then you know they should thank the wrestling gods that it worked out the way that it did because I don't think that people are talking about that as much if it were not as violent as it turned out to be 12 stitches no concussion was the last tweet that I saw and it was from AEW's official Twitter account before I logged on to Skype to do this call. So he's okay. Um, You know, I loved the fact that they mentioned CTE on commentary. Here's the thing about this to me. People have asked a lot, and it's a valid question. When they say it's going to be sports-centric, what the hell does that mean? This is how it's going to be sports-centric. It's because if someone gets a chair shot to the head, they're going to talk about it. Like, people would talk about it. They're not going to talk about it in this canned, really sort of hammy bullshit way that, they, that the WWE announcers do it. They're going to talk about, how it's not safe. And they're going to talk about the implications of it and what it could mean to the wrestler involved. So that what's being said adds a, an auditory emotional layer to what you're seeing visually when Cody's trying to get back up and get out of that arena under his own power. So, I mean, I think that You're talking about
0: real real drama versus melodrama.
1: Yeah, you're talking about something that is so well judged so far, in my opinion, AEW's presentation. Um, But that sports-centric little touch on commentary, it's like, it doesn't matter if JR can't call the moves anymore. He can sit there and add his little tidbits like that, talking about you know, what it might mean for the wrestler. He's got a match in two weeks and all that jazz, you know, the concussion protocol. I mean, that that type of stuff took something that may not have mattered all that much by the time this show was over and turned it into one of the top two or three talking points of the show. So here is a guy in Sean Spears now that has a golden opportunity on his hands to if he wants to be a star. Here is your shot.
2: Yeah, and I feel like the broadcast team really did uh, play off with each other really, really well. Like this was a like great. This match was a great example of it, where you got as we were just talking about Jr's uh, strengths, and of course Excalibur kind of fills in those gaps. Where if Jr doesn't know the name of a move, you can bet your ass Excalibur's going to know it, and is going to know it's going like with a uh, Cassius Ono almost level of its full history dating back to the nineteen seventies. <laughs> like Excalibur will know it. <laughs> he is that knowledgeable in like this, the wrestling world. And then you've got oh, uh, Golden Boy, who I know from like the video game world. That's kind of where I know him from. Like, he's normally a presenter or a commentator on these esports. And like his kind of world is taking something which could be normally seen as something not particularly hype, but then it's his job to make it as hyped as possible. <laughs> That's what he does where he's talking about somebody entering a combination on a game controller and he makes it seem like the most badass thing in the world. That's his job. <laughs> so him bringing that ability. So he's kind of like a hype man on the commentary team. Uh, but I liked him. Yeah, I thought he were, compared to um, Alex, was it Marvez or Marvez? whatever his name was, uh, he was a major improvement. But the most important part was... Each person kind of had a distinct purpose for being there, and that really works. That's something that I kind of can criticise WWE for, is sometimes they'll have the three-person booths, but sometimes the third person just feels like they're there as the, oh, commentator. Whilst in this commentator booth, each person had a purpose, and that really, really helps. <laughs> and then, and this was a perfect, the Darby Allen cody Rose match was kind of a perfect example for it. Well, yes, he did have a few moves for Excalibur to call out, but it was just the like the building of uh, Cody Rhodes. He just, really, he just couldn't do it. <laughs> and He could see the pain on his face. And, of course, he was hurting because of the uh, work on the hand, which I thought Cody sold, sold really well because he did the selling subtly. Just like um, at first he just doesn't close his hand. And that's it. <laughs> he just doesn't close his hand. And then there's a viewer, you go, oh, is something wrong? And that feeds so... And it just built and built from there with Darby Allen focusing in on it. I've drifted away from what the commentators were saying. But yeah, um, I just, just love the build of the, this match.
0: You know, Ch- Chad said when we first started talking about this match that this this, this is probably going to end up being his favourite match on the card and it probably is, storyline-wise, the best match on the card. It's also the most important match on the card because, it, because of what it did for everybody involved. Um... Cody was like I said, he's kind of the centerpiece on these shows. But here, not only did it did it build up Darby Allen as a big star and give him a, a great showcase. Not only did it set up Sean Spears for a huge match at All Out, most likely, but also who did we see run down there being the very first one to Cody's side once that happened? It was MJF, who is um, who is the quintessential heel. In pro wrestling right now and was on the show earlier um, showing that he, he was on uh, Busted Open on Monday healing it up on there but also talking about how Cody is his best friend and his mentor and they mentioned that on commentary as well that you know is, is you know he's he, you got to give him credit he was the first one out there but you know you still can't really trust the guy. And I think it's just layers upon layers here, where we're seeing them build up this Cody and MJF relationship to the point where at some at some point we're going to see it explode. But this is just another building block towards that. I think everything involved in this match was so well done; it's um, every bit as well done as everything that happened with with Cody and Dustin, and may even have, have even more implications for the future than that match did.
2: Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Right. So, uh, like before we went live, Doc was saying, "Oh, I." Uh, how long do you reckon we'll be on like on for? So, oh, maybe like ninety minutes or so. One hour's almost passed, and we've talked about two matches. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, have you got long left with us, Doc?
1: I've got maybe a couple of minutes, uh, so I gotta sign off here soon. I gotta.
2: Right, do you want to give any like a final speech, some final words on this show before you do have to gracefully piss off? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I will. I, I will say one thing about the, the beginning of the show that struck me. Um, you know, the pre-show was, I thought, obviously very distinct from the main show yet again. And when that main show started, any lack of enthusiasm that I might have had for tonight's show was just taken away. in in, in an instant, when they showed that opening video package. I mean, that opening video package, the way they go straight to the commentators to set up the big matches of the night, just excellently done, really impressive, the presentation again. This did not feel like a free show, and I wondered about that to myself before the show started. I wonder if this is going to look any different, since it's not something that has a $50 U.S. Pay per view dollar price tag attached to it. They don't have to make the same kind of impression. Their first shot's already been fired, and it was a huge one. I don't know that tonight was set up to uh, to be anything short of just you know kind of going with the paces that they established already. I mean, if we had anything that was super super memorable, I think I think personally I would have been surprised. I mean, but I think where we ended up with was this show that may not have been the fandom-altering experience that was Double or Nothing. But I think that here and now, I I look at AEW is going to give me an incredibly varied, fun night of wrestling, even if the emotional stakes are lower. So I am really impressed with this promotion, and I'm really excited for the next several months because of them. I mean, I love New Japan. New Japan is great. I look forward to watching the G1 Climax for the first time in my life. I will be following it consistently throughout the month of July. But nobody in 15 years has had me more excited in this way than I am about all elite wrestling. So I, I appreciate the experiences that I'm getting from these guys thus far, and I hope it continues.
2: Right, so as my kind of as we're doing a little overview thing, myself and Jan are going to go a bit more into like the other matches because there were like eight or so other matches which we've not touched upon at all. But uh, yes, it's pretty much what Doc was saying there for this show. But for me, like the biggest thing about it is that instead of pissing on the companies below them, like the indies or like you see that a lot from WWE as at the indies, or you came from the stupid indies, or I'm, I'm being PG there, <laughs> or something like that. With AEW, they look more to elevate the indies, or showcase how great they can be, because a lot of these, all of these people they're showcasing, are have been on the indie scene, they are this generation's indie scene, really, and they are bringing a lot of the aspects, of that scene to television, some of it is silly, like Michael Nakazawa, you never see that in WWE, <laughs> but I'll get to him in a minute, but they, this, everything about it is like a massive variety show and that is really how I talk about the indies and he brought up New Japan. For me, that's one of my favourite things about New Japan is yes, they do sell out the Tokyo Dome every year and this this coming in like half a year's time they'll be selling it out twice which is a bit mental but they also do Kurakun Hall which uh, its max I think it's like 2000 so it's a much, much smaller stadium or arena or whatever and it's that really makes other companies more accessible. And that's a, that's the biggest thing I'll take away from this show. Like, immediately, like, that, you got Doc's first impression. My immediate impression was this is a venue which is, like, a third of the size of Double or Nothing. Would, would you have ever known? <laughs> it's, the production was really... I mean it in the most positive way possible. And yes, you could hear that the crowd was maybe not quite as loud and you could see that there weren't as many people when it did certain angles, but that didn't matter because everything about it made this show feel as important as it needed to to that, five, that smaller 5,000 crowd and if they are smaller shows in between the big one, big ones like All Out and like their August show or their June show if these smaller shows feel like this then I'm all for it that this will I really get that's why I brought up In Your House that's why it really felt like that like a slightly smaller venue a smaller s- s- set in a way it really really helped the overall feel for the show which is great. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, you know, even though Double or Nothing was their first, you know, full step forward as a promotion with their their first, you know, footing to, to show everybody what they could do, this was their first time where anybody could watch it. You know, I mean, anybody that wanted to pay $50 could watch Double or Nothing or pay $40 could watch um, All In. But this was their first time showing anything for free. All you had to do was sign up for BR Live, have an account, and you could watch this for free if you were in the the United States. Um, So this was really their kind of their, they had to put, I think, a good first step forward for those fans who didn't want to show at $50 on the last show. Um, And I I honestly, overall, top to bottom, I thought this was a better show um, than Double or Nothing. Um, and I, and I, th- you know, I think the pre-show was better. I think the opening match was better. I think the women's match was better. Um, I thought the main event was better. Um, and I think that while Cody versus Dustin is probably the match of the year, um, you know, and, and is in the running for match of the decade, I still think that overall fight, fighter fest was a better show than double or nothing. And I think that it had to be at that level or close to it just because it was the first time, that they were putting out a free show that people could, could, could kind of watch and follow and, you know, get into it and they could show what they can really do and try to entice people to watch their weekly television show or to buy All Out.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, for again, sure. We, we, all, uh, we can say goodbye to Chad now, <laughs> before he has to message us. Uh, Chad, uh, plug all of your stuff where we can find you and all that jazz.
1: We'll do, and, and agreed with what both of you just said, by the way. so uh, um, Great show. very memorable. Um, tomorrow night, I'm going to be having a Sunday conversation on my podcast, The Doc says, on the Chairshot Radio network, with uh, LOP Radio's Aew show hosting duo, Shane and Ms. Fan. We're going to talk a lot about Fighter Fest. We're going to talk about the new developments in WWE. We're going to talk a little bit of NWA as well. So that's coming up tomorrow. We're going to basically do that conversation and then release it right afterwards. So it'll be available no later than Monday morning for those of you listening. I really enjoyed being on the show with you gentlemen today. Um, Thank you for allowing me to join you last minute. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And enjoy the rest of the show.
0: It's been a blast, Chad. Thanks for co- thanks for joining us.
2: Yes. Thanks for joining in last very 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 last minute <laughs> with the uh, yeah. I've blurry eyes. Just like I thought, Jan was going to message me. Like <laughs> Jan messaging me. <laughs> My eyes are blurry. Sorry, <laughs> it might be so.
1: <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. Take care, everybody.
2: Adios, else, Chad? <laughs> Uh, and you can follow Chad on Twitter at the Doc L O P if you want to hit him up like immediately or <laughs> whatever. If you immediately miss his voice and just want to read his words, <laughs> follow him on Twitter. Uh, also be calling me stuff as well. Anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, I was also going to, you oh, know, I, w- hmm. I, was, I would have asked Chad if he was signing off if he knows, if he's aware who the newest signee is to the NWA because it happened. It was announced last night on, on Best in the mm. World that Eli Drake is yes. now part of the NWA.
2: My favourite thing was the um, Impact Wrestling. There's a very niche section of the Impact Wrestling fans who for some reason seemingly believe everything every other wrestling company does is to have a go at Impact when the reality is none of them care. (laughs) But they're saying, oh, of course this was announced on a Friday because that's when Impact were having their latest special is airing on a Friday. But oh, the truth is that Impact Wrestling doesn't need Eli Drake. Which <laughs> is, it's like, no, that's, that's correlation, not causation. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah. oh,
0: well, okay. you know, I, I do follow Impact, and, and I would say that they're probably right that they didn't need him. I mean, they, they, they weren't really using him when they, st- when they still had him. So mm.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Salman Versi is looking great. Um, yeah, if you're not a fan of intergender wrestling, then you probably won't, but I am a fan of intergender wrestling. It's, when it, and Tessa Blanchard is versus Tony callahan has got everything about it which is intergenerational wrestling done right <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that anyway my,
0: my, my favourite oh, yeah. current women's wrestler versus my favourite current male wrestler so that's going to be pretty awesome for me
2: yeah like, easily my favourite female wrestler outside of I guess the, the big WWE uh, women who are like really pushing the envelope like Tessa Blanchard is for me up there as one of the best of this generation so, yeah, it's just, just because she's in Impact that she's obviously not getting talked about as much, but eventually she will be. She's still relatively new to the wrestling world in terms of, like, years in the business, so it's amazing to see how good she is at this point already. Like, obviously she's a Blanchard, <laughs> so it's in her blood, <laughs> but she's advancing yeah, she's really, really nicely. <coughs> so, first off, we got a pre-show to talk about we're going to go through the other matches because we talked about Darby and Cody and of course the After Lights main event, but now we have got, oh Jesus Christ, the sun's really bright outside, (laughs) this is really weird we have got we have Um, got the private party versus SCU versus best friends in an opportunity to win an opportunity at a future show match I guess it's the best way for me to explain it so yeah, I think this was, this was an opportunity to get into a match which is for an opportunity. So, private party, SEU, best friends. This match was very, very clever in that it was. It seemed like just a fun pre-show match. But as soon as it kind of started to hit its gear, it was like, oh wait, this is two established teams versus a different team that's not been established and nobody knows. And this has turned into really making them look like stars, even though they're going to meet the pin. Private party really got over, and uh, Rich Latter was tweeting because he was there live. And apparently, private party were really over uh, in the stadium. So that was really, really good for them. But uh, yeah, Jan, what did you make of this opportunity to win an opportunity with confusing, confusing stipulations? <laughs> but uh, just a fun <laughs> triple threat attack That
0: it really was confusing stipulations, wasn't it? Um, no, I, I loved it. I thought this was. I thought this was a great. Uh, uh, Three way tag match, you know, which we don't see a lot of. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of these uh, two versus two versus two tag matches, these triple threat tag matches that are that are great. But I, but you know, I, I mentioned that I've been watching a lot of the Impact stuff, and you know, there was one with uh, I, I can't remember what name of the team, but they were it was against LAX against. Um, OBE on one of the on one of the more recent Impact show Impact Plus shows, and now this one you know so it's, I've seen you know two great uh, tag team triple threat matches in the last like week and a half or so, and this one I think I thought was absolutely awesome. I thought it was a great showcase for all three teams. Actually, um, I was not expecting Best Friends to win, which they did, um, and you know I thought Private Party really had a great showing for themselves. I thought the crowd was really behind them. Um, it seemed like the you know, despite like you said, them coming in as kind of an unknown team, they were really the team that the yeah, crowd was true. pulling for to win this thing. Um, and and uh, you know, I thought they had some they had some outstanding moves. I really enjoyed watching them. Um, I thought the uh, I don't know, I, I I loved those guys. And um, you know, I, I'm not um, I'm not sure what else to say. I mean, I, I I'm not a big fan of Scorpio Sky. I haven't been really. So I mean, I I I wasn't necessarily cheering for scu but uh and i actually i found myself cheering for private party actually (laughs) which i was which i wasn't expecting because i mean i I had seen these guys a little bit on uh the road to fighter fest but i had never actually seen them in a match before and and like i said i ended up pulling for them and i was kind of disappointed when they ended up eating the pin
2: yeah i mean the match did everything it kind of needed to and um, which is the perfect thing when you've when it's already done everything it needed to it's elevated private party the crowd are really behind them you've already got SE and best friends who are already established and popular and then you've, you've successfully done it with private party then you enter that well who's going to win who's going to lose it could be any of them now which is the perfect state as if some, as somebody's just looking to enjoy a fun tag team wrestling match you've got no idea who's going to win which again plays off I can't remember who said it that thing of oh, it was Sean Spears when he brought him up Wave just said, if somebody make if during the entrances, if from that you know who's going to win, then there's something wrong <laughs> with the wrestling that's been presented to you. It's it's too predictable at that point. And yeah, this it- was, yeah, this was a great example of that. In effect, <laughs> just you had no idea who was going to win, even though it's just a pre-show match, it, like as we have in WWE. Pre-show matches, you normally know is going to win because they don't really matter. In a weird way, but compared to this one, there were stakes on the line. Even though there were confusing stakes, there were still stakes on the line. And that really did help when Private Party got elevated. It was really like, well, there's an opportunity on the line. They've been presented well. They could actually win this.
0: Yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like, is there is there going to be another match at Fight for the Fallen that's going to depend, determine who their opponents are for, um, you know, for, for All Out? Or are we. Or are we looking at the fact that are they're probably just going to be facing the Dark Order, who came out there to you know kind of attack? We're well, not actually attack, but kind of psych them out this time around after attacking them at double or nothing. Well, so I, I mean, is them. is that? Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, how are they? How are they going to to do this whole thing where they're fa- where whoever they face at, you know, because they're they're facing another tag team at all out, and then whoever wins that one gets a buy in the first round of the tag team tournament that's going to be taking take place on television which I think is a great call by the way for them to you know I talked about earlier how I thought it was a dumb way to determine a champion for the promotion but they're actually going to have a tournament running on television for the for the tag team championships and from what Tony Khan said recently it's not just going to be the guys they've signed right now they're they're going to they're planning on having a, mo, a lot of the top tag teams In the in the world taking place taking part of that tournament, kind of like, you know, I was I would assume kind of like they had the you know WWE did with the Cruiserweight Classic.
2: Yeah, and uh, that's actually a trait you see more often in Japan, like companies working together, uh, because that's kind of what the Super J Cup has been in the past. It's just it's not just the best juniors in New Japan; it was just the best juniors around at that point. And uh, yeah, I really like uh, tournaments that do that. Immediately gives them an extra flavor or an international flavor, especially when you go for the best in the industry, not just the best in Texas or whatever. Right, and
0: the Crockett Cup and the Crockett Cup did that earlier this year too, where they had guys from AAA, or I mean, from I mean, from CMLL, New Japan, right. Ring of Honor, and then the NWA all participating in there.
2: Hmm. Of course, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I knew a lot about that because Doc went to it. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that anyway, he, told me he that. sure did. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, just, I just remembered that Flip's a villain now in Ring of Honor. I <laughs> don't know why I get random thoughts at this point of being awake. <laughs> well, well,
0: he's he's a villain intern in Ring of Honor.
2: A uh, villain, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you've grown a beard, Flip. That's a good first step. Can you scowl? <laughs> he's, a,
0: he's a villain understudy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I mean, they're not going to play it like that, but that's exactly how I'm seeing it now. <laughs> it's just, uh, of that. The, uh, when they, Flip and Marty went to Japan together, they were doing the Flip and Marty Adventures series. Well, oh, yeah. 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 A, uh, it's just that and
0: Flip, again. Take Japan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was
2: it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, I find, find it's going to be. You're going to have two different uh, generations of being the elite now. You're going to have those guys who. Knew of being the elite way before AW was even considered to be a thing, where we will just make random references to it that no one will get, (laughs) like that. (laughs) Like AW, a lot of AW fans won't get that random. Like, what was that song? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm of the go (laughs) back,
0: go back and watch the uh, the being the elite leading up to all it, and then you'll get it.
2: Yes. (laughs) I'm of the. It'll, most... t- it'll it'll
0: take it'll take you about you know two and a half hours and you'll be you'll be good
2: yeah. you'll be caught up. Yeah. <laughs> well, but uh, I think was it? Oh, I might be getting mixed up, mixed up with Mystic and Miz uh, compared to you and Jeff. But one of you caught up with Bulk watched all of being the elite, which I found really weird because I was subscribed to their channel before they really started doing that because I started watching New Japan and that was really the yeah, only y- reason.
0: Yeah, that was me and Jeff. That was you yep. and Jeff, right?
2: Because <laughs> yeah. both you both cover the stuff. I get confused sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, just that idea of book watching—I've never considered. Oh, wow, well, they're actually really good to book watch because that's going to be coming really useful once AW kind of hits television around the air. It's like oh, the wider world which has been built up on YouTube. Like, I guess because you did book watching does that transfer quite well in terms of like the book watch to get you prepared for the next thing.
0: Yeah, I think it does, and uh, you know, and, and then right now, if you you know, there's actually kind of you know sister shows where um, on the Nightmare Family Channel they're doing the Road to, like right now they're doing the Road to uh, Fight for the Fallen, but being but then on being the Elite, they're also doing lead-ins for that show too. So I mean, in 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 lieu of having an actual television show right now. These guys have, have developed such a following that they're able to, to actually tell the storylines, or to, or to actually do at least do hype videos for the upcoming shows, which is really cool, hmm, and wow. and really is and, and is really a, a unique way to, to tell the stories. You know, um, you know, there, there's you know defiance out there, which you know, and and uh, and MLW, where you know they the bulk of their watching are, are on uh, YouTube, and they haven't really been able to get the kind of following that the elite was able to. Um, just being, you know, like three or four guys, you know, but but uh, but I think they're doing I think they're doing a great job on that on those shows. And if you really want to know go- going into the shows what's going on, you should follow that, and and you know, and and you'll get a good idea. And I and I think that and I think especially like the the Nightmare Families shows, the Road Two shows, they're actually the production value and the focus has gotten better over time. Where if you watch the Road Two Double or Nothing, some of that stuff. Was just kind of throwaway, which where right now. It's almost a what a must-watch.
2: But I, th- I think the like, one of the best things to happen to like those two things was the uh, NWA's. I've got was called like Vote gold, 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 something. Their series, whatever it's called, it's brilliant. The NWA series, I think that's I, <laughs> t- what it's, what called, it's called. It's
0: called Ten Pounds of Gold.
2: That's it. Ten Pounds of Gold. I need Golds in there somewhere. So, yeah, that of Gold <laughs> series and the, um, like, such professional way in which they're produced and directed and everything, like, those that series is probably the best thing that could have happened to the Nightmare Family channel, because it gives them a perfect example of what to do. Obviously, the Nightmare Family videos are mostly shorter. NWA kind of let theirs, like, 15 minutes of what I've seen as, like, an average, whilst Nightmare Family often is, like, seven. But they'll do, like, right. one segment, and they'll focus on one segment on Nightmare Family, like the Darby Allen one, where it was just mostly. It maybe it was one other thing I can't quite remember, but Darby Allen's got a massive section, and that was the majority of that episode. Like right. really easy to watch, really quick, which is the major difference between Ten Pounds and this. But yeah, for me, that's the best thing because it got a example right there and how to do it, and all they have to do is just watch it, <laughs> and they'll get so much uh, like good ideas to way to actually produce it. And I think that's been a little bit evident. And as you were saying, they didn't really seem to have too much of a direction for Double or Nothing. But with this, with the road to Fight Fest and the road to Fight so far, I feel like the shows are more character establishing in a way, so these shows are able to lean into that a little bit more, and that gets them ready for television in a really, really good way, because that's what they will have to do on television. Yes, interesting to see what happens once TV hits, but if it's to this quality, then yeah, can't be excited. <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting. ones, to take,
0: right? And 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 for those of you out there that are that are worried that the TV show is just going to be like being the elite but expanded, Tony Khan's already killed that rumor, so <laughs> don't worry about it. It's going to be an actual wrestling TV show.
2: Yeah, we <laughs> I mean, just know how much is focused on sports and how much you'll get like a backstage skits or whatever. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they want to do backstage skits, but don't really know hundred percent how to incorporate them given the sports centric nature of the show. Like,
0: if, go yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I was thinking, like, if uh, New Japan had a TV show, I can't imagine them doing backstage segments. And I would call them a sports, sen- sports focused wrestling kind of show. If AEW go for a similar feel, like we saw some A, uh, some New Japan things thrown in there, like the uh, uh, the counts during the matches of how mm-hmm. long is left during them, and the. Oh, there was something else about which I've forgotten because it's almost six o'clock. <laughs> but yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go downhill from here on out. Guys. Wait,
0: wait. You know, what I was going to say, and I forgot to mention this earlier um, when we were talking about the main event. But mm. you know, I- I'm wondering. You know, we're, we've heard from them that wins and losses are going to matter, right? So, what I'm wondering is, if, is when they have this type of an unsanctioned match. Does the win Does a winner or the loss there matter? because it's not sanctioned, so is it actually part of the, is it actually part of the promotion uh, or like is it just something that the promotion that the promotion showed? you know what i mean
2: yeah it, they uh, when, when moxie was kind of on the outside after the match, they did make comment of that, saying that uh, and it doesn't and this doesn't even count on their wins and loss record it won't appear okay. it won't have happened essentially, so they did address okay. it, which again is like every thought I've kind of had they've at least addressed it. <laughs> Which is, I don't have to like the answer With all of them, but they addressed them So I was like, oh that's They are thinking about this to quite a level <laughs> Which is really nice to see it's Like, yeah, like yeah.
0: yeah Yeah, you know, I, you know the, other, the other Thought I had about the main event was um, If it's really unsanctioned Should we have been hearing any commentary during it?
2: Oh what? like, oh what was it I'm going back to the end of the way. But Tim Storm versus When they did that match on Impact Where they just fought in the empty arena Right, um, I think for that. One, against, have,
0: yeah, t- yeah. Tim, Tim Storm against Josephus in the empty, empty arena. Yeah,
2: that was it. Yeah, I, I don't think they had commentary. unless they did and I'm being stupid, but I don't know. Yeah. I
0: think you're right. I don't. I don't think they did.
2: Yeah, so, yeah but that, that was a really awesome atmosphere. And I remember everybody's reaction was just like, "This is so what?" Like, there's no production really to it apart from the cameramen and the lighting, obviously. But like this is so watchable. <laughs> it flows so damn well. It's like wrestling <laughs> right down to its basic. <laughs> the basic <laughs> thing and it, it works so well. I, was, I was expecting something like that like they turned some lights off but you know, the stage was still fully lit as if it was the rest of the show just turned the lights off and then back on again uh, apparently it's something that it's a technique that has been used in quite a lot of promotions in the history of American wrestling oh it's not really an area I'm uh that familiar with you could probably guess why the voice gives it away but <laughs> They,
0: well, yeah, I, yeah, they've done stuff like that in WCW before, with like you know Rick Flair versus Terry Funk, um, with uh, when Doom broke up and they faced each other in a no holds barred lights out match. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, and I think, it, I think it's, and I think it's a really cool technique too to say you know this is the end of the real show, and now here's the unsanctioned stuff.
1: You
2: yeah, know? It's a really it creates the, a, a, a very interesting aura and atmosphere in the building. And I thought Golden Boy did a really good job as acting a bit like the scared person who doesn't really want to watch a violent wrestling match right now. <laughs> like, oh,
0: yeah. and, they, and they, yeah. oh, and they did it in
2: NXT too. Oh yes, they have done that before. Yes, did yeah. they do it with um, Champa Gargano.
0: Ciampa, yeah, Champa Gargano won.
2: Yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah, oh, that amazing match. I might go watch that. I I've not watched that one again. I surely need to at some point. <laughs> but yes. Uh, uh, We're meant to be talking about the pre-show, how do we, uh, <laughs> willingly we just jumped <laughs> all over the place. That's like. how
0: it goes when I'm on a show, dude.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, this is, this is the first time we've been talking about a show, I think in the tweet, the way we put it in the tweet was, it's the first show that's been, uh, like, made primarily in English. <laughs> it was the first yes. time doing an English one. <laughs> this is new ground yes. for us. <laughs> yes,
0: good. it is. Yeah, because the other shows you we've know done together have all been New Japan based, so yeah.
2: So. And there's a reason that I think our minimum runtime has been two and a half hours. <laughs> I <Like> think it happens. <laughs> <laughs> if, if well, Jan I mean, these
0: aftershock shows usually go three hours anyway. So, oh yeah,
2: we're we're going by Steve's honour <laughs> It is AEW <AW1. laughs> one. gonna make, it, although we've got like five hours on this new one, this new sister we haven't. <laughs> I think it's poor. Oh. I think my
0: wife would kill me if I was up till two thirty in the morning doing this. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I need to get to bed at some point. Right. So the rest of the pre-show. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you know,
0: the the uh yeah, you know, the the women's match, I I I am notoriously not a fan of of women's wrestling. But mm. I thought the women's match on here was really good. I thought that Women's Triple Threat was really good. Yeah, I mean. Um you know, so I mean, I think, you know, AEW is including All In, including Double or Nothing is kind of changing my opinion on you know, and actually, I, I like the I like the women wrestling in, in uh, Ring of Honor and in Impact. too. So really, it's just that I've I've watched WWE so far, so much of my life, and I don't like a lot of the stuff that they do in the women's division. So I I think that's probably what has turned me off to it. But I mean, yeah, I thought Allie versus um, I can't think of what the chick's name is. That's the librarian, but I yeah. I thought it was a really good match.
2: I've got it written down so I can cheat. I don't need to remember. <laughs> okay, a <laughs> really yeah. what is it yeah. then?
0: <laughs> Lever
2: Bates. Biba Bates. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Most people know her as Blue Pants from NXT.
0: Oh, is that who that is? Okay.
2: Yep. Without the blue um, pants. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> a...
0: Well, yeah, with the blue hair instead. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I, I I will say that I th- that I think Peter Avalon was absolutely. I, I thought I thought that the Peter Avalon stuff where he's like mimicking, he's going on like you know basically like mimicking her or like another re. Uh, I don't know, re everything, all the, you know, the the last word she says, I thought that was really poorly judged and, and was kind of cheesy and did not come off well. So I hope that they rethink that kind of stuff yeah, going I forward.
2: I think the thing that really nailed that point, as, a, as in there might need to be a reassessment here, was when a guy, the crowd was kind of quiet, not sure how to react, and then one guy in the crowd just shouted, this gimmick sucks! <laughs> 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 it's like, that's, yeah, I think it's a really weird gimmick because... The whole point of it is either to make the crowd boo at them sushing, but if that doesn't work, the crowd goes quiet because they're shushing. <laughs> so it's it's an odd like what if it doesn't achieve the booing then it's going to have a really weird effect where the crowd just goes quiet and that's kind of the last thing you want. Like you're not the big show about to do a chop or Kojima about to go on a chopping rampage. <laughs> like you don't. There's no the, the shushing is a bit odd. Like the crowd seemingly didn't really know how to react. I think that. That's kind of the biggest issue here. I don't know if it's something where more exposure to it could normalize it a bit, so it feels less weird and you kind of know how to react. But right now, when it's in terms of like Livia Bates trying to get the character across as well, it's really weird. (laughs) Like she's trying to say things like like a librarian and say books are great and everything, but the whole presentation of the character is really weird and really off, which. Kind of, it, for those little moments where Leaver Bates would try and talk as the librarian character for me, those little moments took away from the match. But I only really noticed them because I was enjoying the match itself so much because both of the women are really good wrestlers <laughs> and they were showing that in this match. Like they can both go, and it was just the character side of it where I was a bit like, "This is like AW's first blip for me, where this hasn't been a hit." I'm quite interested to see how they adapt now because <laughs> I've right, not really, yeah, in and. It.
0: And actually, I, I I don't remember what the what the other guy's name was that was only on the pre-show commentary team, um, but I but I loved how, you know, he was talking about how the crowd can't read, and then the crowd starts <laughs> chanting, <laughs> they can't read.
2: <laughs> uh, they were... <laughs> the crowd were great, like all night, like even in this segment, they were constantly trying to get champs started and trying to. Uh, I think my favorite thing was they were trying to get involved with the match in a positive way, like not in a dickhead. WWE fan kind of way uh, Where it's trying to make the show about them It was trying to play along With the characters And they right. like that was part of it <laughs> and The chanting we can't read which was brilliant uh, The people yeah. in the front rows and things Were playing along with Peter Avalon like the entire match Which was great to see Because I know from watching a little bit of NWA That he is great <laughs> At antagonising people when he wants to <laughs> He's so good at that role and the, yeah, I
0: think, yeah, I, yeah. I I really enjoyed Peter Avalon. I was so happy that that he was that he's part of EEW now.
2: Yeah, and I think the uh, kind of little heel antics because he was because he's so good at antagonizing. You got to see it in short spells, or he was being really subtle with it. Like my, like the thing that really caught. I didn't really wasn't really enjoying the match for a little while, but then Peter Avalon was just reading his book at the side of the ring and just very casually put his hand out to trip up Hallie. I was yeah. just like, I loved that, <laughs> even though I'm not really careful for the gimmick. I I just loved everything about that. <laughs> he told it perfectly. It's just like the rest of like the uh, the stuff on the stage where he was in the tent and they were doing a shouting competition. And it's like it's really weird. <laughs> I don't know. Can you ex- explain what happened on the stage?
0: Um, I can try. I mean they, I mean they 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 decided they didn't they didn't have enough budget for um oh, yeah. you know for they didn't have enough budget for all of the models that they had out there so they had to get rid of two of the models um and then as they got as they replaced them with mannequins um then the librarian came out um I I Leva Bates, you said right
2: Yes
0: Yeah Leva Bates. um so she comes out and then she is out there, um, you know, kind of kind of looking at them at them. She's kind of like starts shushing the crowd, and then somebody else is shushing, and she's like looking around for who it is. She sees the tent over there, next to where they were bringing the mannequins out, and apparently this is probably one of the tents that I guess that you know Matt and Jeff were sleeping in apparently. Um, and there is Peter Avalon in there, and he comes out, and he comes out, and. He's all in a rage and he he's knocking he like knocks down the mannequins and um, yeah it was weird like you said it was very very weird. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like,
2: for, for me because like, it's a wrestling show that like, for me the biggest thing is how were they expecting the crowd to react to this? What was the reaction they were looking for? Yeah, silence right. and this gimmick sucks <laughs> probably wasn't what they were going for, but I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was so odd. Like the um, the being the elite videos kind of jokingly played it off as. Some form of maybe rom y kind of thing, but it's like with Peter Ephlin being really nervous, and not really sure how to talk to Lever Bates or what he should do. It's like, yeah, this is kind of like a rom-com. And then when the visitation came for this show, I was I was, think, I was thinking, well, I might I might get more answers. Are the play this like a rom-com or not? <laughs> in a way, as in is there a connection? Literally, because they're the librarians, they're the opposite side of the librarians' world. They're better. They're better together as a librarian rather than apart as separate librarians, or <laughs> something weird like that. But I, I don't know what it was <laughs> they were trying to get across, so, yeah. right? And, and
0: and for those who don't watch Being the Elite, um, the you know the the librarian gimmick came across because that was like a mandate from Tony Khan that they needed to have the a librarian gimmick on there because Cody had kind of like said, "Oh yeah, that's a great idea," blah blah blah, and so Cody and so they were like pouring through all these wrestlers. Cody had originally offered Peter Avalon a one million dollar contract <laughs> to be part of AEW. <laughs> <A-W. laughs> and uh, and the Bucks were like, like, no, no, that's not going to happen. And and then you know, so it ended up with the, I think it was it was Cody wanted Leiba to be the the librarian, and the Bucks wanted wanted Peter Avalon to be the librarian. So that's why we ended up with two librarians out of a gimmick that you know none of the. None of our none of our heroes really wanted to be a gimmick in the first place. So, it, it's I think I think part of the joke is that you know it's it's really a terrible gimmick, um, and you know that they were going to kind of, I think kind of try to turn it into some into a real you know I th- think that would actually work, but I think that it's probably not going to work.
2: Yeah, it, it can be retconned as we we're saying earlier that it's they have completely changed perceptions within like one video before. So if they right. of go on a correct trajectory or take it a certain way, it can work. It's just that yeah, they've got a little hurdle to get over in the fact that it's immediately corny and kind of <laughs> shitty. <laughs> but it's wrestling; you can well, get over that hurdle.
0: You can, and I mean, and and like you said, I mean, they, they certainly, I mean, they, they can get over that. But really, you have to think. You have to ask yourself also, like, what is the end game for this? I mean, I mean, are there? Is it really to have two librarians? or are they setting up like an intergender match between these two which I wouldn't be opposed to I'm just wondering if that's like what their end game is because there's got to be an end game with this you can't you can't go on having two librarians indefinitely
2: <laughs> that sounds much deeper than you really meant it <laughs> yeah. probably but I kind of shows I, mean, the... I, mean, I,
0: mean, I mean I mean I mean it's like in Marvel you can, you can't you can't go around having multiple wolverines for oh wait <laughs> never mind <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, so I just remembered into the Spider Verse and how fantastic that was. Oh. <laughs> so exciting! Uh, but if it, like really that shows the like overall high perception of their creative, like outside of this kind of weird blunder that's happening, that like we when we we trust them such a degree that we're looking to the future and where it's leading. What's the purpose of it? Because the rest of their arcs kind of do do that. That like they are going somewhere. They do lead to something. Do create something or set something up. Or like establish a character or something. Whilst this was kind of trying to establish a character, but it was like they hadn't figured it out, which feels so apart from everything else on the show that it, that really stood out to me. Just that Leverbait didn't entirely seem comfortable with the librarian gimmick. Was still figuring it out. It's the kind of thing. Well, it's the kind of thing that house shows are kind of made for. Like th- that's what they're for is figuring out this crap before you get to television or figuring out chemistry before you get to television. They've not had that, obviously, and I don't think they'll be doing housewives in the future, or many of them. But I'm going on a massive tangent because it's 6 a.m. <laughs> My main point is that this this felt like an anomaly, and it's really weird. But it's good good idea to put this on the pre-show, so when I go back and watch the show, it just won't be there. Uh, so, like, yeah, it's going to be interesting for me to watch the show without having this like really light-hearted pre-show on it, and immediately going into Chima vs. Daniels. It's it's an interesting one.
0: But, oh, it just dawned on me since you you don't live in the U.S., so you had to you actually had to buy this show, didn't you?
2: I did. It cost me eight ninety nine, which oh, that's I, not bad.
0: Well, that's not bad at all.
2: Yes, that's correct. Uh, it really wasn't much at all. <laughs> Especially keeping in mind that I'm trying to think what well, it is in U.S. dollars. It might have been like fifteen dollars, if that. I think, I think that's about what it is. So yeah, like really, really cheap. That, that's that's why because I when I heard it wasn't going to be free, I was like, oh, it's not going to cost like double or nothing, price, is it? And then I saw it, I was like, oh wait, no, it's Half the price. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fine. Right. Yeah, and because we've got uh, consumer laws here in this country, the double or nothing pay per view only cost us £15, which is like the equivalent of $20. So, hooray for consumer laws. Yay. Oh,
0: oh, that's why that is. See, I always, I always thought it was just because they wanted to gouge the US customers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or, or 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 because US customers will pay that price, whereas, you know, maybe like you know, the international people won't. You know, I didn't I didn't realize there was actually laws that were involved in it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um because that's the set what you paid for double or nothing is just the set pay per view price by the pay per view providers. There's not really much they could do apart from not offer it on pay per view, elsewhere at a cheaper price, compared right. to in the UK, where Like, if I watched Anthony Joshua in a boxing match, that would cost me £15. Double or nothing cost me £15. So it's like, that's the standard price. It's a a fair consumer price, but it isn't too expensive. Compared to America, which doesn't have such laws, and you all get ripped off.
0: Hey! (laughs) Well, right, because we're a fake fake capitalist country over here.
2: (laughs) It's capitalism, but it's not checked. It's not checked capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, any, we're, any, we're, anyway, we're,
0: anyway, anyway let's get off the political talk I suppose I, I, I just
2: realized, oh wait I've got a whole string of jokes I can enter here but none of, the, none of them relate to wrestling <laughs> <laughs> sorry for <laughs> all jokes uh, yeah so the final match on the pre-show Michael Nakazawa versus the CEO of CEO let me just scroll down so I can actually find his name Alex Jabaley, and this was apparently a hardcore match <laughs> which is yes to, like we had technically had two hardcore matches on this show. They couldn't have been any more different, <laughs> and that's that's a good thing. Um, the people in the arena, from the tweets I saw, to them this match over delivered to quite an incredible margin where they legitimately really enjoyed it because it was a comedy wrestler with a non wrestler. And I'm actually I'm did. actually
0: in that I'm actually in that same boat with them. Mm. You know, I mean, I I, I did think it over delivered. I thought, you know, I'm 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 not a fa- I, I really don't know much about Michael. Nakazawa other than all the bullshit skits that have been terrible about him on uh, being the elite but um, yeah I mean I wasn't expecting really anything from this match and I thought it actually ended up being pretty decent
2: yeah they built and played off it really well obviously Mike Nakazawa kind of showed his talents there like in his ability to pull this off with a non-wrestler you see like a non-wrestler with minuscule experience at least so he's at least like leadable through a match Apart from the one spot where he seemed to just not sell being choked by the game controller. (laughs) He just kind of sat there, which was really weird. But Aside from that, yeah, it was great. Uh, Really, really silly. Uh, With the the favourite line, like, can he get more hardcore than oh my god, Nakazawa's got his arm trapped in his own thong. (laughs) That's just... (laughs) That summed up this match for me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the fact that he did that, and then they were. He was logically having to work around it. <laughs> this this absurd situation. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost, it, and I wonder if that that's like his actual finisher, like is is like a mandible claw using his thong instead of <laughs> instead of just instead of Mister Sacco. You know, that's that's kind of weird. But I mean, that's that's kind of what what it seemed like his uh, he was doing, and you know, the the answers were kind of selling it like that was his big his big go to. So that's bizarre but
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, but the, the match was really entertaining and it's like a perfect free show match so it yes the two of them seem to care about winning but it was really silly <laughs> really <laughs> jokey uh, Excalibur's really really good at selling that on commentary as well just the stupid absurdity but he sells it in a humorous way whilst going oh isn't this amazing but it's also really really stupid <laughs> like it's, uh, Escobar excels at that, obviously with experience in PWG, which kind of reveled in that sort of silliness. But uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, plus, it being a hardcore match, that like, obviously played to non wrestler Jibaly's strength so he could just get out weapons and hit with. That's not difficult. <laughs> you can you can do you can do that. That's not really that hard. Yeah. Uh, and he got. Did he get speared through a table at one point? I'm being stupid? Did he? Did he? There was a table spot. I swear there was. A I, table think it,
0: spot. I think. I think. I think he did. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's that sudden realization of, oh yeah, he must have. <laughs> I swear there was a table spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was so much that happened in that match. Obviously, like, like, um, like, realistically, the thong thing just made me forget so much that happened in that match. <laughs> there was so many silly things. There was a attempted at drowning in the mini pool thing. As <laughs> well, <where> the inflatable <coughs> pool. Yeah, and
0: and you know there was a, and there was that spot where you know where he got he kind of got forced belly flopped onto the into the pool, <laughs> you know where uh, it kind oh, of yeah. kind of brought back like you know bad memories of me of my childhood days. I'm trying to do a dive and it just not working out
2: well. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, I, I love the paddling pool. The tangent imp <laughs> <yeah>, tangent. <laughs> I spotted it that time. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, but yes, this was a really, really fun way to end the show and have everybody in a fun mood going into the main show. And uh, as we talked about earlier, there was a very clear like they played a VTR and the kind of over uh, the atmosphere in the room immediately changed. And it, that was it's just such a well done video to get everybody into the main show. Just like it was so distinguishable from whatever that was. <laughs> we just saw Nakazawa and Bailey. This went. Yeah, the video video package was like, right, it's time for the show now. And it was so distinguishable. Was that it adds to the variety as well. Obviously, because we talk about WWE kind of homogenising everything. Every segment felt really different, and that was no different for the pre-show and the main show. There was such a jump between the two, but in like the best way possible. So it didn't feel like you'd been watching the same show when the show eventually started. Which is not easy to pull off, but I guess kudos to AW.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, and and I thought that uh, the the opening match was, um, you know, it, first of all, it conti- it carried on the storyline from the opening match on the last show, which was a nice touch, also. You know, the opening match of of uh, Double or Nothing was, you know, Christopher uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, the entire SCU taking on Strong Hearts, um, and. Chima, so so to have the kind of the two you know veterans of those two groups facing off, facing off each other to start off this show, I thought was a nice touch. Is it was a nice you know uh, consistent carryover, and I thought that this match was pretty darn good actually.
2: Yeah, it was a like perfect choice for an opener, and it's something that I've praised New Japan for quite often. But it's having those older legends slash veterans open the show rather than trying to use them as a big draw, as a, oh, you love these guys in the past, like WWE does. This was, them, they're on the card, but they're at the start, they're not the main attraction. It's like, yes, I really, really like that. I love it when New Japan do it, they put them in the tag matches, and you get to see your favourites, even though they're not, and then it's the new guys, the guys trying to get over for the next while, that are in the main events. It's a current generation. Same here, you've got Christian Daniels and Chima, two guys who, in the past, have been the respective champions of their, area of the world and yeah now together they're veterans they're a little bit older but they can they're proving that with a it really did feel like a match between two veterans which I was We always get a little bit worried that when they reach a certain age they won't be able to uh, keep up a pace that makes any sense like they can still go but could they keep up a pace against one another Uh, I shouldn't have ever doubted (laughs) because it's Christopher Downs and Chima like two guys who are still going to be in impeccable shape in their 60s (laughs) like it's insane Christopher Daniels is what forty nine, I think, and he's, I, he's such. Good I think shape.
0: that's right. He, he's either forty nine or fifty. Mm. Yeah,
2: I was like, he's um, older than Chris Jericho, <laughs>
0: which
2: is yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would recommend never ever betting against Christopher Daniels. By the way,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've made my mistake. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I mean, th- I mean, I mean, this,
0: I mean, this is this is the guy that became, you know, Ring of Honor World Champion when he was like forty seven, right? Forty six,
2: forty seven. Yeah, yeah. So. Like a yeah, a couple of years ago or so. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> he is. Uh, yeah, he kind of he deserves to kind of get this spot. And there's he's. He's only started talking about like retirement and whatever. I think there's an article on lots of pain with him addressing like with retirement in the future. But I don't know if he's going like, to just keep going when he in, for, until his body gives up. Probably one of those where he'll he wants to go out on his own terms. He's got a lot of respect, so he could do the latter really, really well. Like, like Juicy Thunder Liger, where he's got so much respect in his area that he could easily just announce his retirement one year away and then just do a load of dream Christopher Daniels matches. Just burn through the CD of everything, <laughs> his greatest hits. Just a revisit why we all end up falling in love with Christopher Daniels. And the SEU gimmick has got incredibly over, so he could even do manager work if he needs to, <laughs> if he's desperate for paychecks.
0: Well and and the and the other thing is you know that I I think and I think that you know that uh that's something that that Jeff and I talked about on Kingdom of Honor last year when you know when we didn't realize that he was going to be joining um joining AEW when they were running the angle in Ring of Honor where his contract was going to be up and because of his past actions in SEU when they were first formed his contract was not going to be renewed, so basically, unless he was a champion, he was going to lose his he was going to lose his spot and and he was going to no longer be able to be part of the promotion. And so we talked about then how you know he could he could continue on like in a manager's role, and he'd be great, he'd be great at that. Um, I also in a, and right now he's working in addition to being a pro, you know, wrestling for E.W. He's also working as a as an agent for them. Um, or a producer, you know, depending on how you how you look at it, or, or what di- different organizations call it, I think actually AEW might be calling it a coach. But being basically, he's like, you know, he's doing like the old Arn Anderson thing, or um, you know, the the Kevin Sullivan thing, or the Terry Taylor thing, where he's he's kind of like helping, you know, book, you know, kind of helping them plan the matches, plan the finishes, that kind of thing. And I think that you know. He's probably got a spot there for life going forward if he wants to do that. For the, if he wants to do that once he retires.
2: Yeah, he's. I feel like I feel like he's. One thing I really like. He's been. In, uh, he's been featured on every single AEW show. I'll, I'll count all in. It was all in. I get confused. All in last year. All out this year. Right. <laughs> so it was. Yeah, um, yeah
0: it was, right. It was all. It was all. It was all in last year. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so if I count that, it's been featured on every single one of those shows. However, the highest of the card he's gotten is second. And that was in All In when he faced Stephen Aml. Like he's like I think he's been second, first, and first so far on his AW shows. So he's featured every time. He's a veteran of SU is incredibly over. But he's he's not the main event. Like he is a veteran, which you can want to see, and I, I, that's something I really really like. Just the where he is in the card is like just perfect, kind of for the, for the where he is at his career and the kind of matches that he's having and obviously this match got over Chima which was like the main point of it Was well, this is establishing Chima a bit more ahead of his match against Kenny Omega at Fight for Fallen which is I don't know what Chima's like long term like, kind of going to be within the uh, AEW I don't know because he's he's not a young chap compared to a lot of the others so I don't know how how high up the card is going to go or is he going to be somebody to establish some of the uh, younger guys coming up like I guess MJF or someone like that Someone who is, when the company starts, are likely to be mid-card. Like, very strong mid-card with a very high prospect for the future. But somebody like Shima could, like, help elevate them, get them over. And a first, first, you've got to get Shima over. But I don't really know what his long-term yeah, arc is going to be. But we're going to, get, we're going to get more OEW guys as well. That's something I find really interesting. Because some of those guys are mental. Like, they do front flips. With the head handspring, but they don't use the hands; they bounce off the head. <laughs> like it's insane. Some of the stuff I've seen in OEW. it's we're in for an interesting time once TV starts, and we and we require a bit more talent, so we get to see a wider pool. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I've tried watching some of that stuff, but I just I can't. I and you know I I always watch NJPW in English, and I you know I tried watching it, and it was like too much. You know, listening to ch- Chinese commentary for me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, that's it. If you if you do care, that they're all up on OEW's YouTube channel. They upload every single show, which is like great for us to kind of learn a little bit. But yes, there is no English commentary. It's all in uh, Chinese. So if you don't speak Chinese, sorry. you <laughs> kind of lost there. Uh, we can get. A, I've watched like one or two to kind of get a general sense, and yeah, that's where I saw like, oh, these guys are really athletic. I'm very excited to see these on the on the American production of AEW,
0: right? And and also, you know, what I will say also about it though is is if you're a fan of like the old Chinese kung fu movies, I think you'd really <laughs> enjoy the, enjoy their style because they basically like the way they were able to actually even have a promotion as they kind of con the Chinese government kind of said, you know, this is going to get people, you know, interested in join in, you know, joining, um, you know, the state programs for like Kung Fu and things like that. Um, and so basically, you know, their, their style is pretty much entirely Kung Fu based.
2: Yeah. Like if you've ever heard of like the Shaolin arts, this is, I think it's derivative from that. I think that's the, the specific one is Shaolin. And it's, yeah, like, I think you're right. Yeah. So I think it's like Shaolin trained, Performers doing wrestling—it's uh, just kind of like, well, they—they know we're going to like Cirque du Soleil level stuff. So, oh yeah, why has no one ever thought about getting those kind of performers into wrestling? That would—that should obviously work really well, <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> <laughs> and it does. It looks amazing. Uh, it like, even works the other way round with what's his face. Ah, oh, the Welsh lad who was in the Nexus is now in Cirque du Soleil. Oh, what is his name? It's gone. Mason oh, Andrews. Um, Mason Andrews. P- that's not
0: right. Oh, PJ Black.
2: <laughs> oh no! Uh, is it? He's uh, he's South African. Ah, oh, I said oh, Mason okay. Andrews, but he's currently there. It's a na- Mason Ryan. That's it. The guy who's oh, in I this. Forget- he's like a crap batista when he debuted.
0: <laughs> I forgot. A, I totally forgot about that guy existing.
2: He's <laughs> <laughs> that memorable? Uh, but yeah, he's inserted certain now. For those of you who do remember who he is. I don't oh, know okay. If he, I get confused if I've, if Mason Ryan is the name of a wrestler or a footballer it happens so often I <laughs> just get in uh, sports people confused with wrestlers uh, it, it's not people I people in real life get pissed off whenever I I, get, I go on a tangent do you know who this is and it turns out it's just some like niche wrestler <laughs> it's like oh sorry guys I've wasted all your time <laughs> none of you watch wrestling <laughs> it's all right. Uh, the next match... Well, oh.
0: that's their loss, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, they don't watch wrestling. And wrestling has such great variety. <laughs> and it's lovely. It's awesome. The g One starting soon, everybody. It's all get up... For me, it's on in the morning, so it's nice and early. I can have a nice... In this hot weather, I can have a nice glass of orange juice watching the G1 Climax next Saturday. I'm doing a preview show this Thursday. It's come around that quickly. I've got, like, no down shows. Just do a boring week of, like, just... Slowing down and covering some news because, like, every single week I'm doing a preview for the next thing, <laughs> which I like. I like it, it's just it's very, very quick, <laughs> there's no downtime anymore, which I think I really like. So, next up was the triple threat women's match, which Jan has already alluded to as being really good because it was <laughs> uh, Rio versus Yuka Sakazaki versus Nyla Rose. In a triple threat match, it wasn't directly for anything, but in AW, wins and losses matter. I can expect the momentum from this to really push Rio uh, into in, when it comes to like all out maybe, and hinder Nyla get, uh, with her advances because they're building up the fact that she was meant to be the monster, the beast in this division. She is the native beast after all. But then Awesome Kong got announced, and all of the momentum was immediately taken away, and that kind of played into this match as well. I really like that story that they were telling on commentary. It's, uh, but Nina Rose did get herself over in this match Even though she lost
0: Well she did But I, but I, but I really questioned I, And I really did enjoy the match But I I, I do question The decision to have her lose this one again Because you know, she didn't factor in the decision of the first one She lost this one And it's like how, how are you going to establish her as a monster If she can't ever win a match and you know you would th- you would you would think against two like you know smaller, you know Japanese women, this would have been a good time for her to actually, you know at least pull out the victory in some in some way rather than, than losing. That's that's how I felt about it, honestly.
2: Yeah, because the, like the only like, the only way it works for me is what I said with my story, was kind of how I read it as that they give a little hints of it on commentary about her being kind of shook by the Autumn Kong announcement, and that fed into this. But of course they've also got to somehow get her across as a beast <laughs> but it's quite interesting where they're doing the she was meant to be the beast but this other person is and now she's kind of lost a step which is an interesting way to introduce somebody <laughs> which we're, into, we're still in the introduction phase which I'm getting a lot more story and kind of character growth than I kind of was expecting because I was just expecting a fun show I was expecting this match essentially to be a showcase match on a site as a show that will be nice and fun I wasn't expecting an arc to get started with Nyla Rose, essentially. Where, where she is, the, you got the whole thing with Awesome Kong, where she has lost a step and isn't the beast that she was meant to be when she was brought in. Like, this is only a second appearance. There's only, only been, a, like, a month worth since her debut. And she's already got this kind of arc going forward. So, once their TV starts, I'm actually extremely optimistic for vote lower down the card immediately having direction because for me Nyla Rose is proof of that where she's immediately got direction and they've only done two shows.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. I but I also feel like you know if you're going to have somebody be a monster, you probably should be having having them at least win a match you know before TV starts. Otherwise, you know when someone beats them, it doesn't mean as much as if as if you know they as if you know it was it was truly a monster that was winning matches. You know, yeah. so i mean it, it's it's more beneficial to the rest of the promotion, really not just to her i mean i I mean t- to me this victory by um Riho
2: right
0: yeah yeah this victory by, by Riho would have would have meant a lot more if you know if down the if da- if she had you know if she'd won the match at double or nothing and i and I think that anytime somebody beats are going forward it would mean a lot more if she if she had won this particular match hmm. um that, that's it, it. Basically, when you're trying to establish, a, um, you know, a pecking order like that, and you're trying to establish somebody as a monster, if they're losing matches, um, when somebody beats them, it doesn't really mean anything.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> so, yeah, that's the kind of flip, flip side of what i was saying with her arc is in terms of Rio beating. It comes off as a shock, but it doesn't come off, and it comes off as somewhat as a, as a triumph given the pattern of the match itself. But it would feel—it uh, doesn't really feel like a massive moment. It feels like an accomplishment in that scenario rather than a huge, momentous occasion not anything. For like Rio's pulled off this amazing feat. It doesn't quite feel like that. It within the, it was like, oh, she's managed to get out of this scenario victorious. That I wasn't expecting that. It's more of that feeling <laughs> rather than overcoming a beast or a monster kind of thing. So exactly, it, yeah, you're right. She's not. A monster. Because she's not been booked to be a monster. She's just a big lass fighting the little, little lasses <laughs> and the little lasses. Someone pulled it off <laughs> in, a, in a big surprise. Uh, but yes, and, Rose... I mean, I
0: mean, I, mean, I think they, did, I think they did do a good job of you know mm. of, of booking the, the finish in that you know that she oh, it was yeah. they made it clear that she would have won the match if, it, if she hadn't been stupid. But
2: yes, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Th- this match was oddly smart again because again I was just expecting a showcase and then it the first half of it was kind of what I was expecting but then it built and it built and for me there was a twist moment where Nylon Rose did that jumping knee off the top rope onto a dangling uh, Sakazaki I think it was I know it was Rio that was
0: awesome that was really awesome
2: like for me that was the moment that changed the match that from there out the match was fantastic and it just built and built and built and suddenly it's like this really smart match (laughs) that you're watching with with these uh, three women who uh, they pulled off a really good match in the end, <laughs> and I highly rated it. Like as Jan was saying, like it, it's up there with the women's match from Double or Nothing, and of course, uh, in, depending on which one, which styles you kind of prefer, you could even prefer it to the one over Double or Nothing, and that was a decent match. <laughs> and this one was also really really good. Uh, right. I think the only one who maybe didn't get as much momentum from it would be Yuka Sakazaki, who. Uh, she got some offense in, but it was nothing that made you it gave you the same reactions as anything that Riho or Nyla Rose did. Like Nyla Rose really stole the spotlight in terms of the moves she was doing, but then she the way it was, but she was always going to <laughs> against two tiny Japanese women. She's always going to come across as a beast uh, as long as she like gets to do her awesome big moves. But you can say well, exactly, th- she did a few, but yeah, Rio got a bigger spotlight. I felt in the match itself.
0: She did, but I th- I think that so- that Sakazaki um well she had that great she had the great spot you know that dive to the outside mm-hmm. um and then she but then also she got the she had the bigger character moment at the end you know where where she tried to save um where she did save actually Riho from the beatdown after the match by um by Rose but then when um. When Riho kind of turned on her, like shoved her away, she got to kind of, sh- kind of, sh- kind of show her disappointment in her, and you know, and uh, it's hard for me to explain what I'm trying to say, but but basically, she got she got, the, she, got the, she got the chance to show kind of more her acting chops there than um, than really her. Um, then, then show show off all her moves in the ring, and I think that's that's more important, really, when you're talking when you're trying to establish somebody going forward. Now we see that you know her her motivations, that she's like an honorable person, and she kind of expects, and she's you know kind of was sad about the reaction that her countrywoman gave her. You know? I think
2: yeah, the post match stuff really cemented that, for like what exactly her, like, yeah, for what her yeah. kind of role was in this, like with just the the face of sadness, <laughs> which. It, she sold it in such a. It was like oh, there's a kind of like oh, I'm trying to think of it. It's the Carrie Same thing where she's pulled a similar face and it? it's just it's like oh oh no, <laughs> in the most adorable way. It's like oh, it's just the epitome of sadness. just all over your face. <laughs> that's <laughs> <all>. <laughs> uh but yeah, the the match itself was great, uh, especially that second. I'll say second half, but it could have been earlier than that. It's whenever that knee happened for me, that's when it immediately changed. Uh, Nyla Rose did come off like a badass who made a silly mistake, or more than one silly mistake, really, and it cost her in the end. Uh, and Riho was the one who was able to capitalise. There were some awesome spots where it felt like, uh, like a few cases where it felt like Sakazaki had got like the roll up on Nyla Rose or something like that, and then uh, in would come Riho and just drop kick and reverse it. <laughs> the one where there was like a roll up and she did did a running drop kick off the ropes. And then the other person had the pin, and she had to do it again off the other ropes. <laughs> oh that yeah, that
0: rope. yeah, that was awesome. That was yeah. a really that was a really well planned spot. Yeah, hmm.
2: but that um, that painted Rio as a smart wrestler in a way. The way the way she she was doing that was aware of those situations. That kind of played into the finish a little bit. Of just they were painting her as this wrestler who just come up at the last second and is quite smart about what she is doing. Yeah, they played to the end. Awesome. Right, yeah,
0: awesome. And, and, and and it helped to establish her as you know being kind of high in the pecking order in the organization going forward, and I and I have no problem with that. I think she I think she showed a lot of talent in this one,
2: especially when she's what twenty two with with like thirteen years of experience, <laughs> which is
0: yeah, that was uh, kind of crazy when they said that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, Kenny Omega got quite a few questions of, is she that girl from the match, and he was like no. <laughs> it's like uh, apparently Kenny Omega, when he did intergender matches in Japan, Riho was kind of his favoured tag team partner whenever they did those, uh, which kind of gives a bit of a hint why she's uh, here in AEW in this situation. Uh, that other girl, I think he said was still wrestling, but no, it's not her. <laughs> that's a, this is a different <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, but yes, Riho got established. of Rose, somewhat established, uh, but doesn't feel like a monster. But maybe that's. Where her arc is going, it's one of those where, as I was saying earlier, I kind of trust AEW and whenever I thought of something, they've usually gone with a one of the like a good choice, <laughs> which is just yes, they are in their infancy, but it's creating hope in a really positive way. It's just right. been the one blunder, and it's quite interesting to see how do they adjust two way blunder and it's quite good it's happened this early, like before television this has happened, so they can actually we can see them adjust to something before them on national television in front of the masses so yeah they've figured out the kinks now so th- this little run they can count themselves lucky that this little run's really going to give them time to set up and really get ready for television which will bring on the stress <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how they actually cope with all that Once <laughs> television begins speaking of coping with a lot we've got a fatal four way now so first out first off We've got Adam Page versus MJF versus Jungle Boy, a boy and his dinosaur, Jungle Boy Dinosaurus, versus Jimmy Havoc in a fatal four-way match. Not directly for anything, but the storyline was that Adam Page was trying to ask for a match with MJF, but the signal kept breaking up with Nick Jackson. So he was like, "Oh, you want a match with uh, Jimmy Havoc?" And then we went, "No, what about Boy?" I was like, uh, "No, no MJF." I was like, "Oh, you want a match with Jimmy Havoc?" I was like, "No, MJF." and <laughs> like, "Oh, you want MJF in there as well?" All right, in a fatal four-way. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, sorry, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but the star of this match did really well at making Adam Page and MJF feel like the stars being built by this match, and that when they eventually meet, it's going to be this massive moment, or they, they are really going to build them as the two stars for the future of the company. But for me, MJF was the star of this match, and he became it even before the match started. Which is. Right. And I was just, I was just checking um, the laws of pain results for this show, and no, they did not have a word for word uh, kind of a script of what MJF said <laughs> before the match. <laughs> but yeah, he had some uh, lines that made you go, "This guy, oh. <laughs> the uh, uh, the basement line, or the mother line." Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He.
0: he yeah. He's. He's he is something else. Um, <laughs> I, I mentioned I mentioned earlier he was on um, busted open hmm. uh, on Monday, and he was talking about how he's not. You know they're talking about how he's such a great heel, and he said, "Well, I'm not a heel. I'm me. I'm a, you know I'm salt I'm salt of the earth guy. Hmm. But but right. I'm not all these other wrestlers out there that you see that are that are really wanting to impress the fans or you know, who want to do a bunch of flips? I'm out there to win matches because that's what wrestlers do is they're out is they win matches and and uh somebody called in to to talk to him from uh from Virginia and asked him a question, and he said something like, "Oh, you're one of those guys that if you went to a party." You would be trying to sleep with everyone there, even if you even if you you were at really at a family reunion, aren't you? Oh
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, he's he's he really is he really is in my opinion the the top guy the top heel in pro wrestling right now. And my partner Jeff would probably say it's Matt Taven in ROH, but I think for my money it's um it's definitely JBL. I'm, I'm sorry, GBL MJF, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So I'm I'm I was very I'm very happy that he's there, and I'm happy that he that he got to showcase that some tonight, and also of course at Double or Nothing. I think I think that he, that uh, you know there's nothing but great things in his future.
2: And I love how that, like on being the elite, they got they got across the uh, sort of the earth kind of gimmick with a. Cody Rhodes is like, oh, MJF? Oh, no, he's the salt of the earth. Oh, he's a great guy. And then behind his back, he's an absolute dickhead. <laughs> that was such a g- cool way to build. And it was the kind of MacGuffin of uh, people thinking MJF is going to be his double or nothing opponent. And then they costs constantly throwing dust in. And as you were saying, they can long-term build MJF of uh, uh, his eventual turn on Cody. But now he's doing this whole thing of... Like he's the first guy out there, and they're building it slowly. So it actually feels like they've got a relationship before the turn. That's the important point. They're not rushing through this at all. They can still build MJF without him having to turn on Cody. Which exactly. They seem, to, they seem to get, which is awesome. Because he can get over on his own like immediately. He doesn't need that. He's... Yeah. So <laughs> like, I was just thinking, am I allowed to say that line he said? <laughs> which is... I'm very interested to see what MGF is like once they hit television and there's like sponsors and things, <laughs> because some of those lines are amazing. But can he say them on American national television? I'm, I'm not too. Well aware. I think it's
0: Well, I, I think it's going to depend on on how lenient um, you know TNT hmm. TNT is with them because you know it's cable, so it's not as tightly policed as like like NBC or CBS, you know, one of the regular broadcast networks would be. But if you listen to Eighty Three Weeks with Eric Bischoff, he's talked he's talked before on there Jeff oh Jeff texted me and and Matt Tabin are one and one A, whatever the fuck that means <laughs> <laughs> Um and uh but you know he, he's talked on there before how um really the downfall of, of WCW was was not really what WWE was doing it was more what the backstage people at Turner were telling them they couldn't do on TV you know they had to tone, tone down their product and all that so if TNT is still in that mindset that you know they have to they have to have a toned down version of the product then then you know there's there's going to be you know a, a bit of problem with that if if they're if they're not and i get the impression from Tony Khan that they're not then I think I think MJF will be fine, and of course Cody has always said that he wanted to to make an adult wrestling product, not you know not like a family oriented or family friendly one like WWE has. So I so I although he probably could have conv- been convinced by the Money Man con that you know that was the right play for them, I think that if it's up to Cody, um, especially that they're not going to be um, a PG. Family-friendly television show or wrestling promotion, and I think and I think you can see that with what he's done so far in his matches.
2: I feel like these shows have kind of established that as well. Like with the pretty violent main event, and then you've got the Cody has bled every time, right? (laughs) He he bled in Chicago, he bled in Las Vegas, he bled here. (laughs) Like he's yeah, it's becoming a thing where they're kind of getting you acclimatized to it. Of you're going to see blood in this promotion. And they're not going to shy away from it. It, it adds to the realistic sports feel. Like obviously, you don't want Cody to be doing it every week. That would be madness. Or every pay-per-view. It's like, Cody, you don't have to bleed every time we get it. <laughs> He's passionate for this. He doesn't have to do that every time. But, uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, there is that more adult feel to it immediately. And it felt a bit shocking, even though it's not language I'm not hearing in life. <laughs> it's just in wrestling. It Because, of course, we're used to PG WWE. With the sponsors and investors, and like, not being able to say anything or the wrong line or anything, but then he comes out and says that your mum swallows. <laughs> it's just, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. It was like, oh, we can say, that... yeah, this is an adult, yeah. That's <laughs> a like realization, but yeah, because of course, WW was like meant to be more kid friendly, wasn't it? Again, I wasn't really watching wrestling at that point. But... Well,
0: w- well, no. They they were they were actually the adult, um. They were the adult product, product that kind of that kind of got WWE to, and that's what why WWE kind of went with the Attitude Era eventually because they were getting their butts kicked by an by an adult program, um, but then Turner wanted them to wanted them to go back to being more of a PC, family friendly thing that ended up, you know, basically costing the costing them, uh, costing you know them to to lose the Monday Night War and to lose the company. You know, eventually.
2: Well, fingers um, crossed, he learned a lesson. Right,
0: right, and and you know, as as far as, and as far as the bleeding stuff goes, not only should Cody not be bleeding every week or every pay per view, but you but you don't, but he shouldn't be doing it on television at all. I mean that that that's something that you know if if it's a, if it's a blood feud where you're. Where their guys are going to be bleeding, it should be it should be something where you know the organization is getting, where you know their organization is making money, you know from the fans getting paid by the fans to, to see that. It shouldn't be something where you know you're watching television every weekend seeing the seeing the blood stuff. You know if, think, if you're doing if you're if you're doing that, you're just kind of being ECW light.
2: I really liked when WWE used to do the like black and white recaps of the pay per view if there was blood in it and they just show the match in black and white it makes it feel really, really epic, but I think some point in the mid-2000s they crossed a line of, uh, yeah, where suddenly they were having first blood number one contenders matches, <laughs> or first blood, don't get fired, or something like that, and it's just like, it's like a fatal four way, and it's first blood, it's like, no, you've crossed a line here that it's no longer, it's, it's, yeah, it's now, a, a, as you called it, ECW light, where it's violence more for the sake of violence and more than a, a reason for it being there, like a storyline reason or a character reason or whatever it's it's just violence for the sake of it now (laughs) which I'm glad WWE changed uh, for that, It's kind of for the better for that company but Double or Nothing yeah, the blood really really helps establish them but they don't have to use it all the time and it makes it feel more special when it's not as, when it is rare I think that's why it does when Cody has pulled the uh, Crimson Mask at least a few times or Dustin did as well we see them so rarely that when it does happen it's like a really big thing it's like oh oh that's, that's kind of shocking to see it now because we've gotten so used to just not seeing that at all that seen anywhere near that level of violence but it really it really does help tell the story if done correctly and we've seen that so far for AW. every time somebody's bled it's been for the perfect reason like tonight where Cody uh, cut the back of his head very smartly that he cut the other side of his head er uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's one of those where the people going to check on him could immediately tell that he'd done it rather than the chair doing it because it's just on the other side. But it was, it was a very, very good visual and it really sold the Sean Spears thing. Like the violence of the attack was sold by that blade job on the on the head. And his blonde hair really sells it. <laughs> his, the the road's blonde hair. Is like, it's perfect for bleeding. Dusty did it all the time. You can see why.
0: <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, yeah. and you know, and then that's probably, and, and that's probably why uh, he keeps his hair blonde these days.
2: Hmm. But yes, MGF is Salt of the Earth. <laughs> Jungle Boy, a boy and his dinosaur. They're becoming one of my favorite kind of fun mid card acts uh, I is that a?
0: It's, yeah, it's so adorable. It really, oh, yeah. it really is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is like that '80s. Uh, I like that new song. Was the whoa 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 whoa? It's like from the '80s. Uh, and he, they do feel like a fun like kids movie From that era Just like a, a boy and his dinosaur don't know what, It reminds me of that kind of era as well <laughs> Adam Page came across as the kind of Guy they're building to be a top guy As he is uh, He was a big deal throughout the match And got the win on Jimmy Havoc The only guy I do feel like fell a bit into the background Was Jimmy Havoc but, So I know you're not a massive fan of and, him that.
0: and, and, and that's exactly where he belongs <laughs>
2: Uh, Although for me, I'm somebody who saw his amazing arc in Progress Wrestling, so uh, him coming to AEW with his current character is a weird thing. Of he, he, he's seen it before with other promotions, like Shinsuke Nakamura is actually a really good example of somebody who had an amazing arc in a different company. Then they go to a to this new company that they're at, and they have then they kind of do the character that they're doing. But of course, where they originally were, that the Kind of everything behind that character I have like years of storyline quite often, which was Shinsuke Nakamura's case. Suddenly, all the mannerisms are a bit weird, <laughs> and just like Nakamura, he's come in as a face where all of his mannerisms were created as a massive heel who had done like a massive kind of betrayal in the early days of like progress wrestling and turned into like a massive heel in the company. Uh, and he went super super violent as well, and it really elevated and. It really, really built really well and Will Ospreay came like a massive opponent for him and it was like child Will Ospreay at this point. <laughs> like he's like 17 or 18 and he really helps elevate him. But yeah, I'm tangenting a little bit. Uh, the point being, like Nakamura when he went to SmackDown it was like, something's not quite right. It's a, I'm getting a similar feeling from Jimmy Havoc where he's doing, the, uh, he's doing a somewhat good guy character thing but he's kind of bending into the background when all of his mannerisms are mega-heel. And as soon as Nakamura turned heel, suddenly everything clicked. Like, all of his mannerisms made sense. Because when he developed those mannerisms in New Japan, he was a heel. Somewhat, kind of. It's a bit murky, New Japan. <laughs> I reckon ADU is going to be the same, because that's going to make it nice and confusing. So, Jimmy Havoc, I'm kind of expecting a turn at some point, because his mannerisms make sense when he's a bad guy. Uh, I don't know what he is in MLW, but I know I've seen him in progress and I know how fantastic his mannerisms kind of all make sense it all clicks together when he's a bad guy but his good guy run only really makes sense to me whenever I've seen him as a heel first it's not really clicked when he's coming somewhere as a good guy and that's the case here at AW like he was just in the background he wasn't he didn't super draw me in I forgot he was there (laughs) a little while and I'm English I meant to support my fellow countrymen but I just forgot he was there (laughs) which is bad for me to admit
0: um, in MLW, I, I, he's basically, he's right now he's siding with Selena De La Renta and we don't know why yet. So he's kind of in a, in that heel, heel mode. And he really has kind of been a tweener other than that. But I mean, really, we haven't really seen a lot of his character. It's more like his style in the ring that I, that I, mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, I, I don't like the, you know, his, his garbage wrestling style. Uh, and this is getting coming from a Sammy Callahan fan, um, mm-hmm. And, and I don't. And I don't like his. Um, I I feel like I feel like he, he wrestles a style where he is supposed to be this like dangerous guy, um, and yet he looks like a piece of black licorice. So mm-hmm. so I mean so I mean he's 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 thin. He looks like he could hurt a fly. Um, I I find it. I find him completely unbelievable in his gimmick and in his role. And that's like the main reason why I just don't buy him, buy him, or, or why I can't get behind him because I just don't, I just don't believe him.
2: Mm, which is interesting enough. Like, uh, when when us we returned to progress last year, he kind of he did bring up some things like that, but he, it was more in the context of you're not the you, you say you're this violent man, but you used to be that. You're not that anymore, and that's kind of what he was building up with it. But yeah, I'm not a massive like, hardcore wrestling fan. (laughs) Like, that style of wrestling, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't really... It's not my thing, really, or normally, unless it's absolutely filled with character. I'm not really going to dig it, which is why I did dig his stuff in progress, because they're one of those promotions who are normally really good with character, and with Jimmy Havoc, I nailed it with him as, like, the top kind of heel. But, yeah. (laughs) His style, for me, doesn't really fit a match like this. Like he, he, for me, works a lot better again as that antagonistic heel in a one-on-one scenario, kind of building to something, or oh, like a big climactic thing, and he's the knobhead. But in this match, he was just kind of there as a face, getting in the odd shot, and he doesn't have a flashy style at all. He's not got that super athletic. He's not Jungle Boy, who's gonna do, He's gonna make the uh, uh, set out power bomb or sorry, the sunset flip power bomb look amazing because he can do another flip with it, or whatever that handstand thing was to the outside. <laughs> he was up on the top and then just pushed himself off, doing like the it tucked in four fifty, <laughs> which is like, how did he not hit his head on the apron? He's so lucky. Oh. That was
0: yeah, yeah. That was sensational.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't luck. He, he he knew what he was doing. He pushed himself away perfectly fine enough. <laughs> He's super athletic. Uh, uh, Lucius always had some good moments though as well. So it's weird when I say somebody in the match me havoc didn't didn't start shine as much as the guy at ringside who, like, saved Jungle Boy at one point. Uh, yeah. I love that. Dynamic. See,
0: see, see, see and, and despite your feelings towards him, I'm going to say that it's not weird because you're talking about Jimmy Havoc.
2: <laughs> I've already admitted to. As a Britishman, I forgot about him being in the match for a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know.
2: I've let my nation down. <laughs> so I really shouldn't have that. Uh, but the uh, match I think
0: itself, I, th- I think they'll get over it. <laughs>
2: yeah, the match itself at a really good pace. It, uh, flew by uh, flew by to the point of me forgetting some of the competitors uh, but yeah uh, for three of the four came out looking, feeling like much better deals than before they walked in Jimmy Havoc for me, I guess he's on the same level but it's difficult for me because there is that built in respect of seeing him previously for years on the UK scene so it's kind of a, a pre-built in kind of a view of him before he comes to AEW so I want to see character from him, and AW have shown they can do character, it's just never really done it yet with him. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed to do something. And we finally made it to the final match to talk about. Did we really? Yes, we've already right. talk- Yeah, we've finally done it. It is 10 to 7 in the morning for me. The day is properly <laughs> a day now. Which <laughs> Alex is reaching 2 a.m. or whatever, depending on what time zone he's in. Sorry, yeah, it's, it's almost
0: it's almost one o'clock here. I'm I'm actually in the central time zone.
2: All right, okay. So it's not it's not too bad. <laughs> it's still middle of the night. So the main event of the show. So it accidentally worked out pretty well <laughs> because it's the official main event of the show. The elite, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. Uh, Laredo Kid coming out first with his mask on a mask. <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird. Uh, but the Nucci brothers just have such a presence, especially Pentagon Jr. Like, they added the masks uh, last time, but this time they added masks and, like, thick hoodies, and he still has such a presence. <laughs> and he just oozes charisma, Pentagon Jr. It doesn't matter how many clothes if in in increasing thickness that you put on top of him, he will just immediately ooze character. Which is amazing to see. Uh, Young Buster Kinio Omega... made that that,
0: that. that was a really sexual statement you just made. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He really oozes it in, man. <laughs> really <oozes> <laughs> uh, uh, the elite with the young of Kenny Omega, they came out uh, very video, playing up to the video game crowd. And Kenny Omega, a massive video, a, bit, uh, a massive gamer, a massive competitive gamer, which is what CEO is. Is a massive competitive gaming event, which is why when right. uh, I think MJF brought up Evo, which is like the big gaming, uh, competitive gaming kind of festival event thing I could <laughs> not think the phrase to call it uh, so yeah so this is they were playing up to that crowd and it was I think they were Street Fighter references, I'm not a fighting game guy so it meant nothing to me but I recognised it might have been from that <laughs> so uh, I've got that uh, knowledge I guess a little bit they popped for Kenny Omega's thing when they saw the Japanese character uh, whatever it was again not into fighting games so it meant nothing to me <laughs> I'm assuming it meant nothing to you Jan
0: no, not really. I mean, I, play, I played Street Fighter before when I was a kid, but pretty much that's uh, that's yeah. it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a big gamer now. It's difficult. I'm really proud I got myself off of Crash Team Racing to actually watch this show. So well done me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fighting games not my thing. I know nothing about them. I'm crap at them. Uh, but yes, Kenny Omega obviously loves that. So obviously that's a huge reference. Uh, and they did a few moves from it as well with the Hooligans <laughs> spot as well, which the crowd thought was amazing. Uh, Kenny Omega used to do that more regularly in his offense before his New Japan days, when he's a, in his kind of DDT era, I guess. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's cool to see that in that context. It really worked. I don't know if they did it outside of this contest, like at a different event. So if they did it at Fight for the Fallen, I don't know if it would get as big of a pop. But Kenny Omega used to have it in his normal offense. So I don't know if he'll bring it back a little bit but yeah it got a pop here because it's a gaming crowd they love the everything gaming that ever got mentioned got a huge reaction which is weird for a wrestling event which especially like WWE gaming to them has seemed like a really nerdy thing which they don't really talk about that much even though they've got massive gamers on their roster like Jv Woods and AJ Styles they're massive gaming nerds (laughs) but they don't really plug that side that much they still see it as this nerdy culture kind of thing compared to All Elite Wrestling where on their executive roles they've got massive game nerds. So it's going to be treated with a lot more respect (laughs) in uh, AEW. But this match, for me, was a heightened version of the Lucha Brothers vs Young Bucks match from Done or Nothing. Kind of the main event from All In that we kind of wanted. Like If they actually got the time to do their main event this is kind of what it would have felt like. And it elevated and it Moved on so so well uh, to that point where uh, it just descends into madness. Is <laughs> what I absolutely love about it. Uh, I'm assuming this match was also your cup of tea.
0: It was, yeah, and and yeah, it, it, and I felt exactly the same way you did. That this was a this was the match they would have had with you know with with Rey Mysterio and Bandito and. Uh... You can do it. Who else, who else was it? Was it Flamita?
2: Yeah, it must have been Flamita. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, that you know that, that they would have had there, um, if everything had gone well and you know the timing had been right. So so yeah, it was, was kind of cool to see this. I mean I and you know I have said this on my show before, um, and you probably heard me say it, that I'm not a big fan of the Lucha Bros. Um, I, I love I love Phoenix, and I love Pentagon when he's actually being Pentagon. But I but I hate the whole Sierra Mieto. I have the whole you know Sierra Mieto thing, or Sierra, Miet, Sierra Mieto. <laughs> <laughs> However the, how the hell you say that, um, you know I I hate the way that he that he's turned that into like a you know like, and it's not just a catchphrase anymore. Now it's a, a whole like you know thing that he does is the entire match. It's a it's a taunt rather than actually meaning anything. Um, I, I hate the current Pentagon character and I and I don't like the spot fests. That I feel are you know the main thing that we're seeing now with the Lucha Bros as a tag team. Um, you know there was there was a great there was a supposedly great match they had earlier this year um, at Homecoming against LAX that was supposed to be just a fantastic tag match and I thought it was just a complete awful spot fest. Um, but what I do feel like is that the two matches we've seen from them now against the Bucks. In AEW, um, including you know, including the t- the tag match at Double or Nothing, in this match, there, um, the Bucks are able to kind of rein in their worst tendencies. You know, in a way that I think that people that people that that don't like the Jacksons probably would would probably laugh at me for saying something like that, because because mm-hmm. you know, ac- apparently you know the Jacksons have no psychology and all that kind and and all that kind of stuff according to like a lot of um, you know our our LOP brethren, especially like Plan, for instance, um, would say that the Bucks have no psychology of their wrestling. But I think that they have managed to rein in um, the Lucha Bros' worst tendencies, and I think we saw it at Double or Nothing and here, and in, in turning you know what would have been a spot fest if it was if it was left to, left to the devices of Pentagon and Phoenix. And actually, a well a well-heeled story-driven match, where you know there were there were times where the where where it was a it was a tag match, there was times it was a chaos, but it always fit the story of the match, and it always worked in favor of the audience and the participants. Um, I thought this was actually a, a great way for the quote-unquote official part portion of the show to end, and I thought it was you know it was perfect for Kenning to get the victory because he does have. You know, the match against Moxley coming up and really it and really it, it, it hurt it did nothing to um Laredo Kid to, to lose this match. In fact it helped us helped establish him that it took that he he took you know Kenny's big best shots and it finally took Kenny's finisher to finally beat him. Mm. You know, and um this was I think the second time that we I've seen Little Laredo Kidd in a in a big spotlight match in the Last year, because I believe he was also the opponent for um, Sammy Guevara at the NWA 70th anniversary show. So it's it it's kind of a, it's kind of cool that he's getting that spotlight here as well. And I thought he was a good choice for the match. I thought he fit well. And like you said, I thought this was this. I think this was the match that we would have gotten at All In had time not ran, not run out. And um, you know, just just a great showing for by uh, really all six guys in this one.
2: Hmm. I just thought that other guy must have been... Oh, wait, no, it doesn't... Yeah, Bay Phoenix was it? Bay Phoenix and not Vermita in the main event? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm really annoyed to the
0: government. Oh, back. right, because a... oh, right, Ibushi was in there. Yeah, so I, I just had... I, I forgot about Ibushi being in there. So, yeah, it was... It was Ibushi and the Bucks, who so it was the Golden Elite... The hmm. Golden, uh... Yeah, Golden... Was it the golden... Yeah, the Golden Bucks. Yeah, the Golden yeah. Bucks taking on... Right, Right. Ray... <laughs> Yeah, Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Bandito. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew Phoenix was in there. I was just adding Flamita for some reason, <laughs> instead of because I forgot that Abushi was in there.
2: I agreed with you, and then I suddenly remember whilst you were talking. was like, "Wait, Ibushi was on their team? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> that, that's right. Forgotten is that Abushi was on their team. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. but yeah, with what you, you were saying about yeah, that match, yes, yeah, so for me, in terms of like the um, the spot fest, for me had a spot fest but it was only at the end and it earned it with the rest of the match as in it went into that frantic pace when it earned it rather than this is the entire match which is if you build it was I wouldn't call it the world's best psychology but the match had a story and it built and it built and it reached a frantic pace and that was only in that final kind of third or quarter that was the only time you had your spot fest you had kind of diluted spots throughout the rest of the match where they were kind of getting things across. But then it all came to a head in that final section. And I really like matches that do that. It's is like New Japan. It's cut, maybe it's something brought in by Kenny Omega. But it is that Japanese, more Japanese style. of uh, You might get the odd spot in the first half. But more or less the first half is building. And then you can go crazy in the second. And it like works almost every time. Like, even Tai Chi can do that. <laughs> even Tai Chi. But here in in, in this match it works to perfection. Because of course you've got the... You got the spots that pop people earlier on as well. Especially with Taichi, the first half of his matches are boring as hell. <laughs> and I still, oh, even if I can applaud a decent match of his, I'll still say that the first half was boring. <laughs> and I zoned out. I didn't care, even if I loved the second. But this, yeah, this match, it had the sprinkled in spots that were awesome in the first half, and then it built and built and built to crazy levels where they upped the ante with. Uh, uh, the big, uh, big example really was uh, right near the end when Nick Jackson went for the uh, best Meltzer ever. Sorry, the best Meltzer ever, that's for Daniels. He went for the Meltzer driver on the outside after doing the jump off the top rope to it. But he kind of wobbled when he went to do it. And then Ray Phoenix came along and they hit a Spanish fly to the outside. It was insane. I don't know if the idea was they did a Spanish fly into the Meltzer driver. And I don't know if they kind of hit that or if they were doing a thing of... He was going to hit it, then he did a Spanish fly, and the just caught him. But it was madness. He <laughs> went either way, and I think that led pretty well into Kenny Omega hitting the one wing angel to end the match. Uh, also, I've not seen Kenny right,
0: right, right, because it gave them a, it gave a good reason why nobody else nobody was able to interfere because they were all kind of yeah. knocked out by that by that spot. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, Kenny Omega, I was reminded because quite a few people use the V trigger now because <laughs> it was it's become such a popular move within wrestling. Uh, you can tell where somebody's a Kenny Omega fan, because you'll see lots of v triggers in the match. However, if you watch a Kenny Omega match, they're normally paced really well. And if you feel like there are a lot of V-triggers in it, that match is normally over 20 minutes. Hence why you'll get a bit of repeat offence, or he'll start hitting the same move, but with more and more intensity. Uh, you suddenly realise... He knows perfectly when to hit the V-Trigger and every single time he does it, he gets a reaction. I think that's a a difference between somebody doing the V-Trigger because it's a cool move that they really like and Kenny Omega, there's a reason he hits it every time and he'll get a pop with it every time. (laughs) And Every single V-Trigger in this match felt vicious and it's just suddenly reminded of, oh yeah, that's why this move has caught on because when he hits it, it's special. (laughs) And it feels special. And it really just legitimately feel like that person's just been clobbered. <laughs> they probably can A very British way of describing it. <laughs> but yeah, he just yeah been clobbered by that knee. And he's been not dizzy. That fool has been not dizzy. <laughs> he's going to be hit with the finisher. But yes, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Omega felt great. It felt like... Because in the Chris Jericho match, it, he wasn't 100% on that level. He wasn't 100% him. And this match, I felt like it was him make, trying to make a statement and get back into the Kenny Omega we all know and love ahead of what happened later with the attack on John Moxley, which we've already talked about, so there's no real we'll point getting into it. Uh, but yeah, really, really enjoyable match, and as you said, perfect way to end the show and a perfect way to end our show. Don't you agree?
0: No, I, I do agree, but you know, I do want to, I do want to comment now that you, that you mentioned the the Moxley thing that uh, you know that I thought they did a great job. Because, really, I mean, the obvious thing would be for for him to come out there and attack. They, we know they're both in the building, right? Hmm. But they also, but they also had the two matches, you know, one after the other, which meant that I didn't even think about the fact that Kenny Omega would would come out there and, and attack Moxley. Yeah, so so they, I thought they, I, th- I thought they did a really good job of camouflaging it.
2: Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point. That they because they had the matches back to back, you would think, oh, the, normally in wrestling world, that means they're too tied to do anything. Normally, that's an excuse used for a, a fellow person to not interfere on someone's behalf, like a, like a heel would do. You put them, you have them a match first, so that they're too tired and they're fatigued, and they won't be in a fit enough state to help them out later. But no, out came Kenny Omega at the end, shocking everybody in a way uh, with a massive brawl with John Moxley, who was. It's one of those weird things where the brawl mostly worked because of what John Moxley had been through in that main event. Like he was not in tip top shape. <laughs> to put it bluntly with scars all the way up and down his back uh, as I think as Golden uh, Boy shouted at one point oh my god he just spat out a thumbtack <laughs> does that, does that you anything about the condition he was in <laughs> So he's, and then comes the attack from uh, Kenny Omega in this kind of vicious way which I like Is again it's blowing the hate face and heel line but it's just the simple thing of this guy's done this thing to anger me and I'm going to get back at him it doesn't matter if he's face or heel he's, he's going to get back at him because that's an issue you have with the WWE is quite often their faces come across as a bit stupid and this is the complete opposite of that with Kenny Omega he's not afraid to in a way heal it up and just go after somebody with a vicious attack because Moxley did the same to him and this is getting even or at least releasing some anger ahead of their match at All Out but yeah the attack itself they took it all the way to the drum stage area which was meant to be for oh what was the band they said like Blink, 182. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blink One Hundred and Eighty Two. Yeah.
0: Yeah Blink Yeah, Blink 182. Yeah, Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. They just didn't <laughs> know
2: how to pronounce it, which was which was
0: hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how do you screw up Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, you say one hundred and eighty
2: two. So yeah, so Kenny Omega attacked uh uh say John Boxley with that set and then started drumming on him as well <laughs> it was a little funny <laughs> yeah, that's really and, really then, his
0: Moxley, and then Moxley helped him tune, out, tune his guitar you know?
2: yeah that so. was nice of him wasn't it yeah. it was uh, it was very nice of Moxley to lend Omega his back that <laughs> was so nice of him uh, I don't know if we caught um, a little bit of a uh, corpse in moment for John Moxley where the cameraman fell over and Moxley seemed to do like a big wide open mouth laugh <laughs> it was quite funny uh, poor cameraman at the end falling over but that the commentators sold that really well, where they would just say, "Was he laughing?" And it was like, "Oh, that's that, the, that he enjoys the pain." Kind of manic thing they got that across. It's like, "Oh, that was a fantastic save," <laughs> the commentators. Yeah, yeah, it, getting it, it found a sudden opportunity to get across his manic character rather than just ignoring it because he wasn't meant to. That was awesome. But yeah, but yes, there was the second half of the beatdown with Kenny Omega coming out again and hitting him with the trash can. Uh, yeah, properly go for the beat down at the end. Uh, one final note was when the show went off air. Uh, I happened to just have my headphones in, um, wasn't really listening, but overheard uh, that they the fans way after the show had ended were chanting "Thank you, Moxley" for quite a while, which was quite interesting to hear. Like they is it that weird thing that we talking like we brought up with New Japan with Shota Umino, where he does all this vicious stuff, but at the end of it, there's this massive feeling of respect. And the fans are giving that to him still, even though he didn't show like loads of respect in this one. There's still that feeling of respect for him, which is like that's very rare <laughs> in this wrestling world for fans to show that level of respect when he's been that vicious of character.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I I did not catch that, and I wonder what they were. I wonder what they were thanking him for. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, just just his presence. He's got that <laughs> he's reached that level of pro wrestler where he's simply. His presence is worthy of being thanked.
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It, it's certainly possible.
2: He's <laughs> that big a star. <laughs> he is, yeah. And it was only 5,000 venue, so it's they uh, feel more personable to him. That's not a thing, but <laughs> I've decided it is at 7am in the morning. Right, I think that's a very nice way to end the show. As we've covered the entire show, There's not really much more to talk about.
0: Agreed. Assault. I I I I think it's you know this is pro, this is one of my mm. my favorite shows of the year so far, and like right, I said, yeah. I I actually I actually preferred it to Double or Nothing myself.
2: Mm. So. He means appearing on this show, not watching Firefest. Yeah, <laughs> the AfterShock was one of what, the best what? shows of the year <laughs> in the podcast world. It's so <laughs> enjoyable, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's really happy that we've. I'm it not. not I'm
0: hands. not. I am not that much of an egotist. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But please do listen to Kingdom of Honor every Monday. <laughs> yeah. so I'll plug well, all the of course. <laughs> got to plug out Kingdom... shit still. Well, yeah, Kingdom of Honor is the most
0: okay-est podcast in podcast the, on the planet. So.
2: <laughs> and that's coming from the horse's mouth. <laughs> if you, if you can find any, right. other, any other podcast that is more okay than Kingdom of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so up next will be uh, Fight for the Fallen on July, I want to say 13th. I don't know if that's, that's right. That is correct. No, right. yeah. So yeah, July 13th, Fight for the Fallen is a essentially a charity show. So if this one felt, I guess, more fun and more relaxed than Double or Nothing did, my assumption is Fight for Fallen will be another degree towards fun and more positive feeling. you got Kenny Omega versus Chima, Randy Rhodes versus Ali. I don't really know anything else that's been announced. There must be others that have been announced, I've just not paid attention.
0: Uh, the only other one that I'm aware of is Cody and Dustin against the Bucks.
2: Oh, bloody course! Yeah, the massive, the main point of Cody and Dustin's match. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So fun matches in a way because it is a charity show. I don't know if the yeah if the feeling of the show will be even more fun and relaxed than this one was, but it is also the final show before All Out, so maybe it won't be. <laughs> maybe it's not a smart thing for me to say all because it's a charity show uh, the big thing being that all of the proceeds from the show are going to uh, I've forgotten the charity's name but it's Victims of Gun Violence it's going to be going or 100% of the money is going to be going to that which is awesome to hear uh, I don't know what it's going to be in terms of viewership for like us uh, this one was free I don't know if them giving away all of the money to charity from the tickets and I think for the, a lot of the shirt sales there as well I don't know if that means that we won't get it for free However, they seem to be very open to lowering the price. So if it is available, it might just be 15 bucks or so. which And they might even say a portion of that will go to charity again. Maybe. It's a charity available. Yeah, I,
0: Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work over in the UK, but I, I know that um, Tony Khan did say on Steve, Steve Austin's podcast that Fight for the Phone will be free in the United States.
2: Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Oh, that's kind of cool then. Yeah, I don't know if we've got an issue with them airing it where we can't get it for free for some reason. <laughs> we well, I,
0: well, well, I guess if it's a fair use thing, if you know, they probably look to see. Well, don't you think? Wouldn't it? Isn't it kind of like probably that it's the average of of the shows? So, so if you're paying fifteen bucks for all in, you're going to pay fifteen bucks for you know for um play for the fallen things like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It might be a very basic thing of nothing airs on pay free for free in this country, but then nothing super yeah. expensive. <laughs> so it's a nice yeah, trade off
0: exactly. Yeah, it's a good way. It's a good way to say it. But that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Hmm. So
2: yeah, so that that show takes place on July thirteenth, and then you have got all out at the end of August on that mental thirty first of August date with like three shows. And, and I will, and I will be there. Jen will be the most excited out of all of us. <laughs> Going to all out. <laughs> But I will be back I'm plugging the next stuff now So I'll be back on Thursday this week I've done three shows this week But I did the one on Sunday Which was the Aftershock for WWE Stomping Grounds That was by accident I wasn't meant to be doing it But then Steve had a power cut on the penultimate match So I had to jump in <laughs> So that's why that happened i had my own show in this one So three shows in a week I'm not doing that this week It's just the one So I will be doing a preview of the G1 Climax tournament, because that's kicks off in Dallas next Saturday, and then kicks off properly the Saturday after that. There's no break. <laughs> Wrestling's on this incredible cycle at the moment. Uh, I've really enjoyed these back-to-back weekends where we've had WWE, AEW, New Japan. Like, when they did it for leading into, like, Dominion last month, it's like, I just really like that. <laughs> We're back-to-back weekends, it's, as a viewer, it's awesome. But, please do check yeah, out the...
0: It, it- it really is, and and I will be. Uh, in, and as far as what I've got coming up next on Monday, we Kingdom of Honor. I'll be talking again about this show with with Jeff. So, you know, you'll hear more of my thoughts on uh, on fight for the, on a what the hell was this show <laughs> <laughs> fighter fighter fest, there and uh, and then we'll, we'll also be talking about best in the world and major league wrestling.
2: So that is Kingdom of Honor, which will be airing on Monday with Jan and his friend Jeff. Uh, yes. Tuesdays is Global Revolution with the wider wrestling world. Uh, we're plugging all the Laws of Pain radio shows here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Europe as well as everybody. When I say everybody, I mean everybody on the Global Revolution. Uh, Wednesdays is planned Sports Entertainment is Dead with a performance art review of wrestling. I don't know if he'll be doing Fighter Fest, I don't think he's watched it, uh, which means he's going to have to talk about WWE. Sucks so to be you, Plan. Yeah,
0: poor guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well he's got his Eric Bischoff Paul Haven thing So You think he records on a Tuesday So he might He might not be able to talk about Smackdown But he will be able to talk about Raw So Where well, we know the weird stuff that's happening with that company I'll call that the random thing That's happened off the week Because we've got the random uh, No wrestling during ad breaks <laughs> Things from the week before In fact the wild card It's like oh Nonsense in that company at the moment uh, Next Thursday, we'll be doing my G1 Climax Preview. Uh, Friday is Mavplan and Mazza on the right side of the pond with a bit more WWE with British accents. And then Saturday, next Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> All About Elite returns with, uh, from the two-week hiatus to talk about, you guessed it right, Fighter Fest. I think they were wording it as the All About All Elite mega <laughs> AEW uh, Fighter Fest review. So, I guess... Get a snack <laughs> before you start listening to it. It's going to be a long one. Uh, I don't think they'll be doing any MLW next week. It's going to be um, promoted it as a mega uh, fighter fest show. And and, uh, and and
0: and don't forget, you can also hear those guys on the on the docs uh, the Doc says podcast oh, yes. this week on on uh, um, the Cheer Shots Radio Network.
2: Which I think he said would be dropping early on Monday. I think that's what he was saying. I believe so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, my comprehension skills don't exist <laughs> right now, so I'm really proud of it.
0: Yeah, I, I believe he said. That, I believe he he has tweeted out that they're recording it tomorrow. It'll
2: it'll air on Monday. Oh, so. okay, yes. Right. And that brings us to the end of the show. So uh, thank you everybody for listening to all two hours and forty five minutes of this show. We've done Steve Proud <laughs> with the length of this <laughs> in the true after sock fashion. <laughs> We're covering everything in just a little bit too much detail. <laughs> so yes, uh, anyway, so you can listen to Jan Man on Monday, you can listen to me on Thursday. Thank you for joining us for this AW5 festival. Uh, do hit us up on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn you can follow Jan at Jan Man you can Tweet us about anything, whatever you want, we're always open to a conversation. And with that, we both bid with you. Adios, we've got no goodbye song. <laughs> <laughs> Long days, pleasant nights.